Blog Talk Radio. be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered. Everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Thank you. 
judgment comes upon the law. No time to waste, run to the cross. Drunk on lies of this age. Feels too smart to believe. Trade their future for their lust. Blindly busting, they call you to join them. Fall into the order that Satan has designed. Men getting ready to sell their soul for a chance to receive his mark. Father, we just praise you again. We thank you over and over again, and we can never thank you enough for everything that you have done as our Savior with our Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf. We praise you for the days that we have right now, and we understand that there's more ahead of us. We do not know exactly what it is, that, uh, what exactly the works are that you would have us walk in, uh, the ones which were written in that book of remembrance. And we praise your name, and we want to walk in them, and we ask you again always for an anointing and an outpouring of grace upon us, strength upon us, health upon us in Jesus' name, that we're able to fulfill those things of which you have written about us, that we would walk, Ephesians 2.10, in those things until we have fulfilled the mission that you have given to each one of us. And we have to believe out of faith that we are, and we have to strive through the reading of the Word to understand what it is that we are to do from a baseline standpoint, and then, of course, through prayer and and any anointing and revelation that you would uh, uh, f- fill us with, uh, move forward in in faith and be able to continue uh, to be at the ready and in continuous fervent prayer for the lost, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, even those uh, that we know are um, you know a little wonky in their belief systems. Father, we just want to lift them all up because they are brothers and sisters. We don't want any of them left behind. There's so many of the lost people across the world of the 8 billion that are on here, many of which are, uh, you know, profess Christianity as their faith out of the 2 billion are not ready. And we just pray for them, Father, that you will anoint them at the very least, cast them into the great tribulation, allow them to be part of the tribulation saints, give them the courage that they need to have, the courage of Joshua to become beheaded, if that's what it uh, takes, uh, that they would be priests uh, in the throne room of God. Hallelujah. And we just thank you for all of the, we need courage as well, to be able to to face each day, to be able to 
uh, believe with all of our heart that you are going to divinely protect each of our jobs uh, and that you know we won't be cast out into the streets, that, that there is a supernatural uh, divine plan, angels that are assigned to each of us, uh, and, and for each of us, uh, again, to embrace with all of our heart the, the, the immenseness of the importance uh, of our prayer lives and how that in and of itself is a ministry uh, that is so powerful and so sought after by the throne room that, that we really have been kind of cheated in our understanding throughout our lives. And if we would have only known these things earlier in our lives, the impact that we could have made supernaturally uh, would be beyond our comprehension. And we did, But we thank you, Father God. It's never a day late. Your timing is perfect. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will continue to protect us. We ask you, Father, for not only angels to stand guard amidst that whirlwind of the holy fire and authority hedge of protection around each of our houses, but we also ask you, Father God, for a platoon of warrior angels to be assigned to each of us, to ferret out all attempts to come against us, to wipe out all demonic contracts and assignments. We pray for the holy fire of God to vaporize all earthly and spiritual weapons, all fiery darts, and every attempt to come against us. And in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, that any of the entities that were involved in it or even allowed these spirits to enter through their territories would be immediately struck by the holy fire of God, placed under arrest, cast into the pit, and we plead the blood of Jesus to seal the pit, for only the Lamb of God can break the seals. We thank you, Father God, and we praise you, and out of faith, we continue to walk this walk. We, we know, we see, we see around us, uh, you know, explicitly, we see around us uh, this continuous, uh, noteworthy, logarithmic increase of end times events, and we pray that we will uh, just continuously seek you, draw closer, hear your voice much better, and be able to walk in utter harmony with your purity and your righteousness, Father God, for if we seek ye first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, all these other things will be given unto us. We are we are at the ready. We want that outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We want that anointing and strength and courage that we're going to need to have for the days that even that we're in right now. And we trust you, Father God, because we know that's the only way we're going to be able to make it and finish this race. And we cannot look forward any more uh, than we already are in our hearts to that day that you will find us worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before the Son of Man, our King, our Jesus, the lover of our souls, our spouse, really, our, our heavenly and, in uh, wow, Godhead partner for all of eternity. Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, Luke 2136, for every single listener of this program, past, present, and future. And I pray for a supernatural anointing and a tenfold blessing to fall upon anyone who even remembers me by name in prayer, Father God. And I ask you in Jesus' name that every single listener of this show, I pray for those. And again, I get the emails, Father, and I praise you for that. And I just ask you to, for everyone, past, present, and future, to make it. In Jesus' name we pray and thank you. Hallelujah. And Father God, amen.
God, thank you, Jesus. So to get to get to uh, how do I say this? Uh, to get this out to everybody, so that you don't, um, you know, have to feel led to touch bases with me on a regular basis regarding my knee uh, and the surgery and all that. Things are going good. Okay, um, I'm not going to talk about any of the potential negativity issues that could happen. It's just the way it is. Um, uh, but um, so far, so good. Mobility is increasing, and pain has decreased almost an unnoticeable level. I went up and down the stairs about six times uh, t- today, yesterday, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so uh, everything is good. Everything is good. So praise God for that. And, um, you know, I still got another four, roughly four weeks, um, maybe three points five weeks to go where I have to do stretches and things like that. And I don't know, then I guess the surgeon makes a decision and tells me what I can and can't do and all that kind of stuff. Because the, I, what I, I learned an awful lot and uh, I don't like what I learned. <laughs> I'm just going to be perfectly frank about it. I really, really do not like what I learned. Um, what I learned is uh, meniscus uh, surgery. Uh, none of them are created equal. Uh, and unfortunately, it is the predecessor to a knee replacement. So I find that out, and but I did get told by my uh, pilot, uh, you know, retired pilot, uh, brother-in-law, cousin-in-law, whatever, that, um, uh, you know, it was his personal experience, and he's a heavy tennis player, and he played tennis after his uh, meniscus repair, and, and he said it lasted for four years before he had to get the actual knee replacement. Now, in my situation, I would like to duck that whole thing. Uh, and I don't know how much time we got left on earth, folks. I really don't. And I, I, you know, when I, if I, if he made it four years and he was playing tennis on a damaged one, then I figure I'll be fine. I, I just want the, 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 the surgeon to look at me and say, you know what? I have a, I have a lot of confidence. I think everything's going to be okay. As long as you take it easy, you can get back on your elliptical trainer. That's all I want. And the cool thing about it is that the latest revelations from the medical uh, facility, I'm not talking about the Dr. Fauci evil pharmacia, you know, satanic worshiper. All these. Ugh. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the new um, rising up of tens of thousands of new doctors that occurred post-pandemic that are herbalists. Uh, many of them are. Hey, let's let's go ahead and treat the you know the conditions and the way that you eat and the way that you exercise. The way, all that.
that kind of stuff, and make you healthy by virtue of straightening out your diet so it becomes more, you know, like a Mediterranean diet, uh, the, you know, and, and gets you back in shape in a natural way, which is what I prefer, of course. Um, so anyway, um, I just did one. I wanted to share that with everybody, and um, you know, just so, because I, I I'm getting these trickles of emails from people. How you doing, man? You know, how's your leg feeling? You know, and I'm just you know, it's it's doing real well, it really is. Um, and uh, like I said, in the next four weeks, my goal is to be able to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, put on my sneakers, put on my workout clothes, and go down and do an and, uh, and, and elliptical trainer workout. And I've also learned that um, – uh, and this, by the way, is a consensus that is across the board. Nobody out there is saying anything about – you know, aerobic exercise being, it's great for strengthening the heart muscle and improving the flow of blood through your cardiovascular system, okay? So it's not without merit. However, for those of us who are, you know, getting up there in years and stuff like me, uh, then, uh, you know, it really, the benefit that it offers you is very limited. In fact, uh, all the the really smart uh, herbalist, all the, uh, I can't remember all the different names, but there's at least three different categories of doctors. And I'm talking about medical doctors, you know, these are doctors, and but they're with specializations, you know, and um, they all agree that for for a weight loss, weight maintenance, and maximum health, walking, uh, and they don't even specify fast walking. They just say walking is bar none the very best thing that you can do. There's nothing more important. Um, and that's perfect for me because uh, that's really kind of like the pace that I want to have be part of my life with the elliptical. So anyway, that's what I'm praying for. Uh, I want to get back on the elliptical and get I want to get back down to my pre-pandemic weight, uh, and I think there's probably a lot of people out there that do do as well. Um, praise God. So, um, and one other thing I wanted to share with you is that there is a an, an enormous uptick. I would say, well, I've never seen such an enormous uptick in all of my life. Uh, now, there, there, of course, you know, there's a zillion other topics as well, but I've noticed a a very noteworthy uptick in the number of posts that are occurring in my quote finely tuned Twitter feed that are indicating uh, because uh, this whole pandemic thing has really opened up the world of um, alternative medicine, which is where we should have been all along. Uh, being fed poison by, you know, Satanists like Pfizer uh, is not good for anybody. And anybody who does any kind of homework on this or studies any books or whatever the case is, the JFK material uh, uh, or whatever, um, you know, or um, but anyway, the point I'm trying to make here is that the epiphanies, you know, an epiphany is like, wow, and they're having like gazillions of epiphanies. And I mean, all of these doctors, untold numbers of them, and they've discovered that when they're doing like autopsies and stuff and they're, you know, like, like I met, I met one guy on, on YouTube through Dr. Berg. Everybody knows Dr. Berg if you're into like, you know, healthy eating. Uh, he's probably one of the most well-known out there. And um, I, I follow his regimens pretty close. You know, I do the uh, minimum of two teaspoons of uh, apple cider vinegar with, you know, the Bragg's with the mother, um, you know, to get the pH level of my blood proper. I take all kinds of cleaning herbs and things like that because I like to. I also the H2O2, you know, the uh, food grade hydrogen peroxide. I'm going to start that again. I made it all the way up to 10 drops uh, three times a day uh, the last time I did, which is a couple of weeks ago. And I, I said, well, I'm going to lay off it for a week. 
and I'm going to do it again. So uh, starting tomorrow, I have to actually I have to put in a quick order for some more uh, bottled water. But uh, anyway, yeah, I'm going to hit that again and take it back up to a, probably 10, uh, maybe even 12, 12 drops uh, three times a day. Praise God. So um, that's just me. Um, and you might say, well, Johnny, you know, why, why are you so interested? Well, the reason why I'm interested in this is because, uh, you know what, I think maybe the mental trigger with my knee was a big part of it, although I was big on this kind of, you know, detoxing and things. I, I was always big on it. Okay. Because here's the thing. I don't, you know, I figure if God has something for, if I got to be on this earth, I want to be able to do what I got to do for the Lord. That's how I look at it. Whatever that is, if God wants, you know, j- you know, chase to chase me out of my house, or, and I got to go out to the streets for some reason, I doubt it. But I'm just saying, you know, I, I don't want to have to be limping in pain, you know, um, things like that. You know, I I want to avoid having health issues as much as possible, um, and as reasonable. Um, because I just want to get this over with, and I don't, and I want to get it over with with the least amount of. <sighs> problems. For example, uh, there's a YouTube video under Dr. Berg's site where he interviews a man who had stage four lung cancer, which is it's, it's, it's guaranteed death for anybody. I mean, anybody, if they say, I have stage four lung cancer, but I'm getting this treatment or that treatment, what that really means is that they're going to be dead in a couple of months at the very most, usually just a few weeks. So this man uh, had stage four lung cancer, and this whole testimony is on Dr. Berg's site, and um, he fasted like Jesus for 40 days, pure water fast, nothing else, pure water fast for 40 days. All signs of cancer had left his body. He was pure as pure can be, like a newborn baby. The doctors were backflipping. No one could believe it. And wouldn't you know it, it's in our Holy Bible. Wow. So anyway, I want to get into some of those kinds of things myself on account of that. It'll just, I've learned through the School of Hard Knocks over the years that if you, fig, if you, get, if you have the courage, you have the self-discipline to, to take a dive, you know, go, go big. Okay, if you go little, and that's where, that's where most encourage you to do. They want you to take a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, build up to it, build up to it, build up to it. Those are the recommendations of the experts. I personally like to dive in head first. I want to hit. I want to hit it hard. I want to hit it fast. I want it to be mentally impactful. I want it to be life impactful because then it it jettisons you forward. Um, You know, the last time I did an incredible job with keto where my doctor was backflipping and, you know, I've never seen such great liver. Uh, Your cholesterol is perfect. You are, you have the blood of a 15 year old boy. Uh, She was flipping out. And the last time I did keto that well, it was driven by a major colossal life-changing sort of an event uh, that had to do with my jaw getting grafts. And if anybody out there has ever got an implant and your jaw had to, and you had to get grafts, you know, jaw grafts to make your jaw wider, they are agonizing. It's one of the most painful things to go through, I think, in, in the world ever. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was on copious amounts of Vicodin, and they called me at like 7.38 p.m. that, you know, the night after the first, you know, graft. And, and, and the woman was very sweet. And, um, you know, how are you doing kind of thing, you know. And I was like, oh, my Lord, Jesus, I'm in more pain than I've ever been in my life. And, and that was with like two Vicodin. So, um, you know, she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I know it hurts. And, you know, but there was nothing... 
nothing you could do, right? Uh, I was lucky, but eventually it kind of wore down a little bit, I guess, with the Vicodin. I was able to finally get to sleep, but oh my goodness gracious, there for about four hours, I thought I was going to die. Well, anyway, that was a life change. That was a life pivotal event for me because of the impact of it. It was so painful that I decided, listen, you know, and, and by the way, they told you, you know, hey, listen, the best thing for you would be to drink like bullion or, you know, just, uh, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, things that are, you know, not solid foods, you know, and all that kind of stuff to help you along, you know, it'll help the healing process, et cetera, et cetera. And then so I did. And I, and then I thought to myself, hey, why don't I just keep on doing this? And that's what led me to drop from 365 pounds down to 265 pounds, which is, what is that, 100 pounds? But it's something like that. Anyway, um, size 56 down to size 47 or something like that. Anyway, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, and I want to get back on that. I want to get back on that because, um, you know, I figure, look, if we got to put up with all this WEF, you know, I mean, CBDCs, the, you know, there's just a major event that occurred. Thank you, Sister Vera, for sending this in. Uh, where, where bank accounts are getting zeroed out and people had no money uh, with uh, Wells Fargo again. Um, there's multiple banks and multiple complaints all around the world, especially in Australia right now, of people being told, no cash for you, no cash for you, and we don't want your cash. Forget your cash. Cashless, cashless. And they're forcing it down people's throats, and they're doing it in a boiling frog's manner, a little bit at a time, so that we don't flip out. But they're doing it, and it's not stopping. It's incremental, and it's slow and they hope that we don't notice very well, and then they keep on doing it. And the next thing you know, the big lever gets pulled, and we're all in a kind of a messy situation, to say the least. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But I did want to share that with you. Um, uh, and another thing is that I, there's a, more and more of these doctors that are saying they're, you know, they woke up because of the, they woke up. What happened was they woke up because of the pandemic. They have seen what's inside the vaccine. They have seen the high-powered tele, you know, microscopes uh, showing the graphene and showing the Hydra thing and all these other creepy crawlies that are inside it. And it woke them all up. Not not all of them, but a lot of them, it woke them up. And so now when they're doing, you know, a person dies of multiple sclerosis, they're going in and taking samples of brain tissue and different things like that and putting it under exceedingly high-powered microscopes. And they're saying, oh, my gosh, there's parasites. And then they're discovering that these same not, – not, it's not – there are all these different types of parasites, and there's a lot of really bad ones that live inside of our body. So anyway, so I'm, um, there's uh, – I, I went ahead and got Dr. Bose. You know, I have a lot of faith in them. I've used their products before. Dr. Bo on Amazon, he's, there, he has a parasite uh, cleansing uh, herbal supplement that I'm going to try. But there's also – you can also take it – I've been told it smells horrible and tastes terrible. I've never tried it. But uh, it's a cup of water. A uh, hand, not a lot, but about five or six full-size cloves into the into the cup of water on the stove. You're warming it up, and then you put the f- five or six cloves in there, and then you take some fresh ginger and you um, uh, use one of those graters, cheese graters, and you grate it and put a big – I would say I would estimate from what I saw in the video. He didn't specify, but it looked like it was about a quarter cup, maybe more, of grated ginger, fresh grated ginger. And then the last thing was um, about three really big of those uh, garlic pellets. So, you know, you basically pull all the – 
stuff off the garlic and you get down to the, the pellets. I don't know what you call those things. But anyway, about three of those. And you put it into the cup of water. You warm it up. Then you cool it down and then you drink it. Okay, you drink that cup of water. And supposedly that combination going through your system and even in ultimately into your bloodstream kills like pretty much all the parasites. So I'm like, um, you know, there's amazing things that are being revealed right now. And uh, I'm kind of on board with it. I, 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 I've always believed in, uh, you know, um, changing your life habits, changing how you eat, changing your exercise routines and all that kind of stuff in order to avoid, um, like, for example, if I hadn't or was not able to get this meniscus fixed, kind of, um, you know, fixing it means reshaping it and things like that. And unfortunately, there's pros and cons. But the bottom line is now I can walk normally and maybe even get to the point. Well, you you know, you see see the, well, that woke me up and I may really put a like, hey, John, you know, you're, you know, it's one thing to say to say that you're getting old and that you're 61 and everything on the radio show. It's another thing to just let life go by and not do anything about it. Because the, here's the thing. If you don't do these kinds of things proactively, then what's going to happen is you're going to have something bad happen to you. Well, I'm not saying for sure, but I'm just saying it's possible. The problem is that if you get the bad news, you're just going to wish that you had done these things earlier so you didn't have to get the bad news. And I'm like, I want to be ahead of that. I want to be ahead of that noise. This was a huge wake-up call. I've been dealing with this bum knee now for, for what, you know, 2.5 months. And um, it's refreshing to be able to go up and down the stairs without, you know, holding on to both banisters and going, oh, ow, you know, every single step I'm taking, all that kind of stuff. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, I hope there was a little bit of beneficial ideas for you as well. Uh, I got such an outpouring of interest uh, from so many people over the hydrogen peroxide, the food grade H2O2 uh, detox method uh, that I just figured that as I'm delving into some of these other purification methodologies, I will share them with you on the air. And then if people have more questions, they can send an email as usual to jbaptist777 at gmail.com. Also, I think there was a lady out there, I don't know if her name was Liz or Lisa, that sent me some kind of a card, you know, get well card, and I I lost it. I was going through a whole bunch of emails, you know, I, I had a no, gazillions, and I somehow pushed it a button or something. I don't know. But I spent hours looking for that so I could respond back to that uh, get well card, and I felt so crummy and Ah. But anyway, if you're out there and you're listening, God bless you. Thank you for even thinking about doing something so kind. All right. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, kids, are you ready? And we have a lot to talk about tonight, guys. All right. Praise God. I got to turn the kids volume up here. <laughs> I had somebody write me and say, you know, for the longest time I, I listened to you for, for all these years, and I thought the kids were there. I thought the kids were real. You know, theater of the mind, that kind of thing. All right, kids, you ready? Oh, ow, ow, ow. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that's good. That's good, kids. Very good. That You're blowing out my ears. Now, the next thing I'm going to have to get is uh, earwax flush. <laughs> all right, kids, why do dogs like cell phones? Why do dogs like cell phones? They have color, caller ID. <laughs> caller ID, right, kids? <laughs> Praise God. I have this thing called Tractive. Tractive. Um, and you can buy it off of Amazon for your 
dogs and you put it on their collar and it, it actually tracks them around. It used to be that the thing needed recharged so frequently that it was it made it impractical to use it and I didn't like it so much. But I figured something was something was better than nothing. Well, now they've created they've made it so that it it detects your home Wi-Fi, and if it sees that your dogs are at home by detecting your home Wi-Fi, it like doesn't it stays deactivated partially deactivated which saves the battery and the battery lasts like forever now um unless you put your dogs in the car and take them with you to cvs or something and then of course whoop 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 sends alerts and everything because they they left the protection perimeter that you can set up but i you know i just i'm just one of those people that thinks somebody might try to steal one of my dogs you know because people are evil today so i want to be able to see where they're you know go get them all right, praise God. But um, anyway, kids, why was the geometry geometry? Why can't I say the word geometry? Geometry teacher late to class. She sprained her angle. <laughs> you guys taking geometry yet or what? Kids, wow, you guys are all kind of sparked up today. Praise Jesus. All right, kids, what did the computer – I'm sorry, why? Why did the computer go to the dentist? It had a blue tooth. <laughs> oh, Bluetooth. Kids, even you guys know what Bluetooth is. Bluetooth is the reason why you turn on your cell phone or you pick it up off the charger and you can't hear nothing. Okay. The first thing you look for is some kind of a rogue Bluetooth device in the room. <laughs> anyway, praise God. All right. Now, this warrants a major trumpet fanfare of news. Hallelujah. Here we go. This had my uh, the better part of my entire family uh, flipping out this weekend. I called my sister. My sister called my niece, and my niece told her brother, or I mean her husband, who's the Southwest pilot that's retired, and then, of course, it went to different parts of the family. It was bouncing all over the place, and I was getting all these phone calls, and it was a big deal. The reason why it was a big deal, because it is a big deal, especially to people who are not ordained and blessed at the level that we are. And, of course, for you, you're just listening to some meathead on a microphone, okay, and you got to kind of like, you know, oh, I think he's crazy. you got to go through your different phases of acceptance before you get to the place where you're like, wow, you know, this crazy person might be right about some things. So anyway, anyway, um, uh, so, as you know, I have been telling people that I am in possession of a video that was forcefully taken down after the event. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to name channels. I'm not going to name anything. But this video, like I've said before, beyond any shadow of a doubt, proves that the entire event of Jan 6 was a false flag. There was no part of it whatsoever that was an insurrection. It was a total act. It was totally crisis actors, FBI, all this kind of stuff. The news is leaking out little by little, uh, thanks to Tucker Carlson and a whole bunch of other whistleblowers, the FBI whistleblowers in the in the uh, uh, um, uh, Repu- you know in the House uh, Investigations Committee and and all that. Okay, so it's coming out little by little, but for three to four years now, I don't know how many years, but I you know but basically it seems like about three 
three years, give or take. I've been telling people I have a video that proves beyond any shadow of a doubt that it was a complete con job. As a matter of fact, I have live footage of the actual event where it was unfolding with Ashley Babbitt getting shot and all that kind of bogus nonsense with the glass, the, the Hollywood glass and the Hollywood blood and all the other bogus nonsense. All right. So anyway, um, I've been telling people that for quite some time, but for my own personal safety, now this this falls back on what I was talking about on the prayer vigil, a little part of what I was talking about on the prayer vigil, which is we have to discern in these days, because these are dangerous days. This isn't, you know, it's one thing for the Bible to talk about the sons of thunder and talk them up like the Bible does, which is great, but we're in different days today. There are people out there that are not mentally stable, full of demons, and they want to kill us. So, again, we have to really think we need to listen to the voice of God, and we've got to think things through. For example, um, like Reverend Tracy Shelman is going to be joining us on an upcoming show, and she did it the right way. A lot of people just go out, and they grab a Bible, and they go to the abortion clinic, and they start reading you know, into a megaphone. They don't have a proper permit. They do all kinds of things that they really shouldn't have done because they didn't think it through very well, but they felt you know, that they needed to do it, and that was going to be the way they were going to serve God. Okay, And unfortunately, they end up getting arrested, and it makes it into the papers and everything else. But now Reverend Tracy Chelman did it a more, much more brilliant way. Okay, what she did was she called the police over, in a, you know, proactively called the police over, knowing that it was a threat and knowing that she could ultimately end up in jail. But she said to the police, hey, would you like us to pray for you? So she basically extended the love of Jesus Christ out to the very law enforcement people that would potentially be a threat, and they prayed for the law enforcement people, and they presented a, an, a, uh, a, an, envir- an emotional environment of love of Christ proactively amidst all those that were around them. Okay, now that's absolutely strategically brilliant. That's what you want to do. You want to make sure that everybody around you does not perceive you as a threat, and you don't want to be in people's face pointing your fingers and that kind of stuff because you're going to go to jail, uh, you know, or you're going to get shot. The, the LGBT, the, the radical men, these radical – I don't even like to call them men because I'm not sure they qualify completely, but – that are changing into these entities, LGBT, element of kind of stuff, they have guns, and they want to kill us. They hate Christians. They hate them, okay? Uh, so anyway, uh, uh, you know, we really have to be very careful um, nowadays. But just remember this. The most powerful ministry that you can establish is the one that you can do all by yourself, and that is to dedicate a good solid 40 minutes, uh, 45 minutes maybe every single morning to fervent prayer for the lost people in the world. I do it uh, frequently on the uh, as as an example and also as a part of partial teaching, you know, learn by doing. On the prayer vigil, um, our prayers in our prayer, our own personal prayer ministries and our giving and touching people's lives, our generosity through Christ, all those kinds of things, Make no mistake, is those little things are what God rewards us for the most. Praise God. Everybody thinks that if you have a giant church or a, you know whatever, that you're going to be like having this big mansion and crazy rewards in heaven and everything like that. This is not how it works. God loves the little stuff. He loves that we're praying. He loves that we're touching other people's lives. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, Ashley Babbitt was spotted alive at a conference on a video, and it is uh, going viral all over Twitter, and people are flipping out. Now, of course, there's people in denial. Oh, oh, 
I where's Elvis and all that kind of you know ridiculous. We can't help it. There's so many people that are brain de- de- deficient out there right now that it's over, utterly overwhelming and very very sad. But uh, we've been talking about it for the last three years that she was never killed. That the whole thing was a setup. It was a false flag, top to bottom. Not one little teeny weeny part of it was true. None of it. None of it. All right. And, uh, you know, but anyway, um, praise Jesus that more and more people have are seeing this video, seeing that she is, in fact, live. And that one little tidbit of I told people I did. I gave it to you. I said, listen. What you need to do is look at the bottom of the television and look at the ticker, and you will see it, the news ticker at the bottom. It's, it's talking about the um, – uh, the uh, oh, dagnabbit. Uh, the, na- what, uh, the pipeline, uh, the, the pipeline that got blown up by the United States um, – they, they they blamed it on a bunch of different people, but it was the U.S. It was the Pentagon uh, blew up the uh, the the pipeline, uh, the gas pipeline, and you can see the on the ticker it talking about the gas pipeline being blown up and Russia being all kind of mad. Well, all you got to do is you got to just look up the date of the uh, of the uh, destruction of the pipeline. And then compare that to the date of January 6th, and then you see her in the video, and bada-bing, you know, you have a confirmation of the date, so you know that it happened recently. And then, in fact, that she is alive, and it was a total false flag. I explained to my sister, who, of course, is a Trump fan extraordinaire, I said to her, you know this one little piece of information, Paula, is enough to exonerate Trump for 100% of everything. All right, but anyway, will it happen? No, not as long as they have Vulcan, the entities of darkness and the Antichrist and these sick, twisted reptilian beings have control uh, over, you know, everything. You know, all the courts, the court systems, the federal court judge justices, you know, some say even the SCOTUS is uh, compromised. You know, we're going to have to wait and see how all these things play out. But they, there has not been one successful per- persecution of anybody, of anybody for anything. Okay, since all this stuff started to happen. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And let's go into the rest of the news. And after Brother Gary does his teaching tonight, we'll wrap up uh, the, you know, the, the, the final parts of the news, which is very significant and continues to grow in significance um, uh, with each show. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go ahead and go into it. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? <laughs> It's not normal. It's just wrong. Uh, wrong. It's not normal. This is disturbing. Game over. Nord Stream. Thank you, Sister Vera. For, it just jumped out of my head. I was like going, what the? Um, by the way, i got to talk to you about Niger and the war that's about to break out, or at least appears to be right on the edge of breaking out because uh, of the ECOWAS group uh, wanting to you know, take over Niger. Um, and that's all about a gas pipeline as well. And it's the last one, evidently, that's feeding Europe. Okay, so this is a big deal. And the Wagner group is being begged to come in and take over and control and protect Niger, et cetera, et cetera. But it's, it's a tangled evil web of darkness, as we might imagine. Isn't everything? Hallelujah. All right, praise God. Let's move forward. Praise Jesus. Headline reads, the Bible's explainer on UFOs. So there's much, many more articles, many more op-eds, many more, uh, wow, 
the mass the, the mainstream media across the entire globe is cannot stop talking about UFOs and it has really become a mainstream conversation which I think is cool <laughs> I'm like it's about time right uh, but anyway uh, this one here this one article here which is uh, from Fox News or one of their magazines um, they have several you know different you know they got the web and you know somebody did anyway so uh, it says here Christopher Mellon on the UFO hearings there will be a great deal that the government is not telling us and it goes in to explain uh, that the, you know really what's come what's happening it's kind of sad actually but there's you have everything from a whole bunch of people that are in, in important governmental positions that are saying, hey, wait a minute, why, why didn't anybody ever tell me about this? Okay, well, that's they should know the answer to that. It's called unacknowledged special access programs. It's compartmentalized, and if you don't have a need to know, you don't know, period. End of story. All right, but, um, you know, but now they're getting some pushback, evidently, from the Pentagon uh, as far as moving forward with more disclosure of information because obviously the people that are that are in these facilities like s2 s4 uh, you know the groom lake all that area you know um and have been involved in uh crash recovery and the capture of live alien beings and all that kind of and and, th- and then you got the whole mill lab thing where that's a cooperative where otherworldly beings are meeting and have been meeting for decades now with uh very powerful high highly influential government officials across the world and they're not all part of the same club see so there's uh you know the wars and some of the things they're fallen angelic beings okay and they're here to work ultimately on behalf of lucifer to deceive the people that they're working with okay and trade of technologies and this that and the other thing so that they can foment and drive forward world war three ultimately but then god's going to send more alien beings isaiah 13 and joel 2 down to the earth during the day of the lord and open up a can of wapiney like the world has never seen hallelujah thank you jesus vengeance is his saith our father hallelujah and and yes i know father my uh, airsoft bb gun is not going to mean anything to klaus schwab on my inside target but anyway praise it, it just makes me feel better there's something um sub i don't know uh sub subconscious or about it i just feel so good it's like i dislike this entity so bad all right praise god but let me read you a little snippet out of this article that i just start i opened up with about the ufo you know uh, stuff okay and it says it says in the, in in the in the middle of the article it says that that the historian Josephus which by the way is uh embraced by Christians and Christian leaders and Christian preachers and Christian teachers all over the world as being one of the most uh awesome historical writings of anyone who lived uh during the times of the apostles being you know the first century okay and um uh and so he's greatly loved amongst Christianity well he says in this one writing, it says the historian Josephus wrote of a mysterious spectacle that occurred over Israel in A.D. 70. So that'd be right around the time that Paul was probably heading to get his head chopped off over by Julius. You know, was it Julius Caesar? I don't know Caesar, but whatever. Um, right about that time, I would expect. Um, and and uh, Josephus goes on to write that quote. Chariots and troops of soldiers in their armor were seen – keep in mind, in their troops of soldiers in their armor. Chariots. Okay, you got to kind of like translate this into what it's really talking about. Okay, we're seen – listen to this – running about among the clouds, writes Josephus. 
It says there were numerous such events around the entire country as, quote, armed battalions hurtling through the clouds with a great noise causing earthquakes. Wow. Josephus. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Next one up. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. All right, the American Military News reports that cyber attacks have hit several United States hospitals and emergency rooms were closed. Ambulances were rerouted. So, again, we're starting to see an uptick on cyber attacks in the critical infrastructure, which, by the way, is exactly what you would – look, if you were going to do a massive false flag takedown of the grid and all that kind of stuff, what would you do? Boil frogs. Little here, little there, little here. Little there, uh-oh, bam, the power goes out. We told you so. You know, that whole thing. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Wells Fargo customers scramble after uh, deposits disappear from their accounts. Again, thank you, Sister Veer, for sending this in at the last minute. Uh, you know, uh, this is creepy stuff. Now, we've had it happen. It ha has happened before, uh, you know, but... You know, what we're seeing is a very noteworthy uptick in the number of these types of events, the number of the types of events where they are refusing cash and not allowing people to take money out. And it it's like more like five or six banks a week now. But that's only what we're hearing about. That's the problem. OK, so when we hear a little teeny bit, you can expect that there's a whole, whole lot of ugly going on behind the scenes. All right. I want to play you a, a little snippet of this. Uh, the hospitals are now getting busted by the local news, um, you know, the local news groups, um, yeah, you know, the ABC News, you know, for, for Cincinnati or whatever. But people are calling in and they're discovering that the hospitals are actually taking patients from the inside of the hospital and they're wheeling them out on wheelchairs and dumping them on the sidewalk. So anyway, let's listen to this report. Isn't that lovely? All right, here we go. Hold on. It's loading up. Praise God. Disturbing scenes on our streets, triggering calls to the wave troubleshooters, alleging patient dumping by local hospitals. Two different $2 million plus patient dumping jury verdicts recently in Kentucky caught our eye. But what really got our attention was where calls to our newsroom led us when we began following up on the complaints. This story begins December 1st at 5 p.m. with a phone call to our newsroom from a horrified University Hospital employee claiming security had just wheeled a woman all the way out to the corner of Hancock and Ali, just off hospital property, dumped the elderly woman out of the wheelchair on the sidewalk and left. Minutes later, we shot video of her, still in a soiled hospital gown and slippers, breathing hard under a blanket placed over her in 36-degree weather, her stuff in a bag next to her. The employee claimed she sees this a lot. So I started watching, and on December 16th at 7 p.m., 35 degrees outside, I record three security guards surrounding an elderly woman with a walker, slowly escorting her out of the emergency room. She can't move fast. It takes several minutes. All right. So anyway, we could, we could, you know, go ahead and listen to the entire report, but it's just one individual after another individual after another individual where the hospitals are just saying, heck with it. You know, um, what they were not able to make a determination of because the hospitals wouldn't give them the information, of course, quoting HIPAA, uh, is that, you know, why? 
you know. But anyway, um, at the end of the day, we can pretty much figure that out, and that's just about how evil the world has become. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We all know what's going on out there, and it's absolutely horrible. Um, praise God. Now i got to make a couple of adjustments because the audio on that was very low. All right, praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. MSNBC medical contributor tells Americans to start wearing masks again again after the uptick in COVID hospitalizations. All right. So, of course, you can expect this person is being paid a considerable amount of money directly into their account for becoming one of the lying reptilian entities that the WEF wants. Uh, you know, probably just came from some kind of a baby killing, you know, adrenal chrome party over at Bill Gates's house. And then you get on the news and tells everybody, you got to wear a mask again. You know, I, I, I don't know if that's going to end up being the end of me. I, I mean, you know, because I'm not playing that game anymore. I'm done with it. I'm not. And fortunately, I'm, I'm, if, if there was one of the 50 states in the United States of Babylon the Great that you would want to live in and be a never-vaxxer, it's Florida. If you want to be a never-LGBT LMNOP, it's Florida. If you want to be a never-diversity guy, it's Florida. If you don't want to be woke, it's Florida. If you don't want to wear a mask, it's Florida. Now, may you go into your PCP, your primary care physician, and they say you have to put on a mask? Yeah. And so then in that case, I would have to strongly recommend that you go to the Internet and find the company named Unmask. That would be U-N-M-A-S-K, Unmask. Okay, and there, um, I forget what the, here, I'll see if I can find it, and I'll tell you which model to get, because they got several models, so hold on a second, unmask.com, let's see if it goes right there or not, um, no, so they have a different, uh, hold on just a second, um, unmask, hold on, let me see if I can find it, okay, hold on, is that it, unique products and designs crafted in, Mission is to bring thousands of loyal customers amazing, hand-curated. No, that's not it. No. Hold on. i got to find this for you because that – nab it. Um, okay, hold on. Hold on. I've opened up a can of worms, and I'm not going to let you down. Hold on a second. Oh, hold on. Oh, boy. I got it double. Oh, boy. Double push pin. Secured. Okay. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Double push pin secured. So I must have seen thought, saw this card as being important. Um, all right. Now I've got the extra light turned on so I can read it to you. It is found on the website getunmask.com. G-E-T-U-N-M-A-S-K.com. So now I'm going to take that. I'm going to have to put, put this back up on the wall. Because um, it's getting blocked by the Google searcher. That's okay. Getunmask.com. All right. There they are. Putting America first. Blah, blah. Ultimate. Con- Wait a minute. Have they been killed? Wait. Let me click on the shop button. Oh. Wait a minute. Okay. Hold on. Oh, goody, they still got them. So you got to click your way in. They had, what they had done was they branched out and started making a whole bunch of other products as well to survive, okay, because masks became less and less popular. Um, I will tell you that the one that I cannot more highly recommend is what's known as the Ultra Collection, okay, and it has a pretty girl wearing one of them, and it's a pink one, but you can get several different colors and whatever the case is. That Ultra Mask, you can breathe through it all day long, very easily, 
and you can survive uh, going to an airport, multiple airports, multiple leg flights, and, uh, you know, it's just unbelievable. I would not wear – I had – I probably bought about 10 or 12 different masks looking for one that I could, that was most breathable. Bar none, the getunmask.com Ultra collection is astonishing. It's almost like having to wear nothing. So if we have to go back to that kind of ugliness or whatever, I carry one of those, by the way. I have about six of them um, that I bought over time. And I have I carry one of them at all times in my left pocket just in case. All right, praise God. So anyway, thought I'd turn you on to that little ditty that I've uncovered accidentally by the School of Hard Knocks. All right, praise Jesus, hallelujah. Next one up. There we go. Had to get that big, bright white light off. All right, Jesse Waters reading through the newest Trump indictment is pure gold, they say, on this particular audio uh, bite. And I'm going to go ahead and play this for you because it's very relevant um, and to what, you know, this massive bunch of craziness we got going on right now, which is all very relevant to the end times in our department. Isn't that literally the Republicans impaired the federal government from functioning? Isn't that literally the Republican Party platform to, to reduce the ability of the federal government from functioning. And then they say it, it's a crime to ask Pence not to certify. I wonder if Pence would agree that that was a crime. Uh, apparently, the campaign managers told the defendant, Donald Trump, he had a 5 to 10 percent chance of, of winning these challenges. But he still fought on the indictment. Said, How dare he with 5 to 10 percent chance? I wonder what the guys in Vegas would say. You now have suspicious activity in Philadelphia, Detroit, and Arizona, and Nevada. They're going to have to litigate suspicious election activity in all of those states. They're going to be presenting evidence. The defense is going to be presenting evidence. And then the prosecution is going to have to knock that down. We're going to relitigate all of these deep blue Democrat districts over the entire country in court in 2024 in an election year. That's really, do you think that's healthy for the country, Jonathan Turley? And do you think that's a road the Democrats want to go down to defend the integrity? All right. So anyway, you hear the diet, you know, the dialogue and everything and where it's heading and um, good enough because it's definitely heading our way. Now, uh, here's another commentary by uh, let me see if I can find it. it says we now have the ability in this case to issue our own subpoenas and we will relitigate every single issue in the 2020 election. So there's your answer. Uh, there's your answer, Jesse Waters. It says it gives President Trump an opportunity that he has never had before, which is to have subpoena power over all of the evil ones that were involved in the fraud. Okay, so anyway, um, let's go ahead and listen to this uh, expert's commentary. He's on the Trump. uh, I don't know if he's one of the lawyers or, you know, exactly what his role is. uh, But, uh, you know, anyway, he's making the circuit he's going around all the news reports anybody will have them and he's letting people know gets this is this is a game changer all right and here he goes praise god thing i will say though in 2020 the mr trump's campaign had a few weeks to gear up and present evidence and it was very difficult we now have the ability in this case to issue our own subpoenas and we will relitigate every single issue in the 2020 election in the context of this litigation. 
it, it, it gives President Trump an opportunity that he has never had before, which is to have subpoena power since January 6th in a way that can be exercised in federal but court. But what you're talking about, thing I will say. Of course, Brett Baer, <laughs> talk about another controlled entity. Hannity, totally controlled, probably almost certainly CIA. Um, uh, uh, Brett Baer, I don't even know what to think of him, but not much. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he tried to come in with his own little uh, you know, a, uh, opinion about it. Uh, oh, I thought that we had already tried this and we can't try it again. And, blah, 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 and, the, and the expert was like, no, no, you don't understand. This is a completely different dynamic. So you're going to hear, hear a lot of people that don't know what they're talking about trying to play it down like it's not going to be a big deal. Uh, but the vast majority of the experts, um, I do know that one of Trump lawyers has come forward and, and said very publicly, this is an extremely big deal. Also, um, yeah, there was some litigation over the Dominion. Dominion tried to sue Giuliani and that other lady, I forget her name, that said she was going to bring down the Kraken, and they failed. So hallelujah for that. Praise Jesus. Um, and uh, they were acquitted. All right. Glory to God. So anyway, um, by the way, so there's a there, so there's this Biden cover up timeline and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I don't want to keep Gary, uh, uh, you know, Gary Wayne, uh, um, you know, like in the eaves hanging in there uh, while I'm doing the news. Um, let's go ahead and bring him on right away. And then um, because this is exciting and um, I, one of our you know favorite shows, I get emails all the time. Praise Jesus. And, and it is. It's, it's absolutely incredible, arguably the very best work ever done, more thorough uh, than anyone else I've ever seen uh, in regard to the Giants and really not just the, the Genesis 6 War Giants, but really uh, how the whole thing works from, you know, the life cycle from the beginning all the way to the end with a follow-up book that uh, is probably available uh, for purchase, or if it isn't, it's going to be very, very soon. So praise Jesus for that. What a blessing to be able to bring on Brother Gary to once again share, uh, you know, a, a snippet of information, but very, very relevant to understanding the, the, the story. And, and for the deep dive, of course, uh, go to, uh, you know, Genesis number 6 put the number six in there, conspiracy.com. Let me double check and make sure I'm not making a horseless patootie out of myself as I usually do. www.genesis6conspiracy. Let's see if it's .com or not. All right. I hope it is. It is. We have a winner. Ding, 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 ding. All right. Let's bring on Brother Gary. Hallelujah. Praise God. Brother Gary, are you there? I, I am, and uh, so happy to be back with you, and uh, hopefully uh, people will enjoy the presentation I'll give tonight. So, yeah, happy to be back here. I uh, can't believe it's uh, another month later. Hard to believe. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Isn't it weird? What is so, that weird psychosis that we all have? You know, where we look back in time, and it's like, wow, 
9-11 was like 23 years ago, you know? And, but then we look ahead. We look ahead and we're like, I don't think I'm ever going to make it to the Trump re-election or whatever. I don't think I can make it. That is just way too far in the future. It's like the days go so slow when you look yeah. ahead. It's like, ah. Uh, Oh, well, yeah. I guess we're stuck with yeah. it. All right. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Um, people just absolutely gobble the stuff up. They love this program, and we just thank you profusely for joining us monthly like you do because the information is incredibly relevant to today and unbelievably well-researched. Thank you, Brother Gary. The microphone is yours. Thank you. So just a quick update on uh, my new book, The Genesis uh, Six Conspiracy Part Two. How understanding prehistory and giants helps to define end-time prophecy. We were looking for a date and a release date of maybe late August, early September. We're still working through some of the editing process. Uh, it's a, a book that is so chock full of information that we're just working through the editing a little bit longer than anticipated to, to get the consistency right with the terms and the many different words that are used in many different languages and sources. So uh, we're going to push that publish date and release date back to an October or November release. Uh, hopefully we can beat that, but uh, I will keep people abreast. And uh, as soon as I have a firm date, I will have it out there for people. And uh, in the meantime, I'll be working to get uh, the book and its excerpt chapters, all 84, up on the website. And uh, at that point in time, once I have a firm price and uh, what I think is a fairly firm published date, then I will put up ways to uh, purchase the book and to pre-book uh, if people want to do that. In the meantime, if you want to be notified uh, as to when the release and what the price will be and how to buy, just get a hold of me at Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part that's the number two, Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part 2 at gmail.com. You don't have to say anything on it. Just send me an email. I will send you a notification as soon as I've got those details down, and uh, we'll forward it to you. So, so we're still working on it. Uh, I really like how the book is shaping up and feeling, so really anxious to get the book out there, but we have to go through the process. So. Thank you for your patience in advance. It's appreciated. So we're going to talk uh, from the Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part 1, uh, Chapter 45 tonight. Uh, the chapter is entitled Reflections from Within the Third Reich. And uh, this is, to me, always kind of one of the more eye-opening chapters in the book, if you can actually sort of use that sort of terminology when there's just so much information in every chapter and on, on every line. But this really wraps up uh, for people, I think, in a way that will give you a directional picture for what's coming. And World War II is absolutely loaded, and particularly the Nazi regime in Germany is absolutely loaded with information that is attributable and reflective as to what we might expect, but in greater dosages in the end time. And with a couple of nuances that are in there, because when you look at beast empires past and beast wannabe empires, and I would classify Nazi Germany and Hitler as a beast wannabe empire, they have a 
particular leader that's already in place that is sort of the antichrist archetype in this case it is it is hitler uh it'll be a little bit different in the end time we're going to see the same markings of the beast empires the same markings that are in there for hitler's germany but we won't be able to clearly identify antichrist until uh, we might look at the uh, last year or the first year of the last seven years as the one who negotiates the seven-year covenant um, that solidifies Babylon and then uh, Antichrist will begin his rise with the fame as being part of that negotiation and maybe a central part of that negotiation but isn't crowned to the midpoint of the last three years three and a half years so it's a little bit different play out in the end time and I think that's one of the reasons is because it's just too hard to take the world over by war. And so it makes the end time empire, the seventh empire, so interesting is, is that it comes together through other catastrophes and the glue of the religious religion and a fear of apocalypse to unite under this one religion. And then that makes the way and the system and the platform for Antichrist to take over in uh the midpoint of the of the last seven years so that is a preference i'm going to read the uh opening verse that i have for the chapter because i think it's, it's rather appropriate to a number of things associated with the end time and uh, and reflected in a milder way in um in world war ii so it's uh, revelation 7 9 through 14 and it says after this i looked there before me was a great multi- multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and holding palm branches in their hands. And then I move forward in this passage and skip a, a few lines, and it says, continuing, these in white robes, who are they? And where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are, those, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And so in World War II, we had uh, the Holocaust. And before that, we had a, a genocide uh, that Stalin, who would, you could say might be an Antichrist-type figure, but didn't uh, hit the same sort of level of power as Hitler, but he had a genocide in with the Ukraine in the 1930s. And this seems to be part of the end time play with the tribulation of the saints and then the great tribulation of the world in the last three and a half years that have been seen since creation. That leads into the time of Jacob's trouble and that leads into the year of the Lord's favor and then at the end of the year, the Lord's favor leads into the year of the Lord's wrath um, to re- in, you know, for the sake of all of his saints. So there are uh, correlations there with the Holocaust, particularly of the Jewish people. But this will now include a larger genocide and Holocaust, problem, I would say, combined. Uh, as we go into the end time and understand that the end time as it's defined in Daniel 9:27, is the last seven years but Jesus also 
uh, define this era as a complete generation and the fig tree generation. And so as we get closer to the last seven years, we're going to see the sorrows that are talked about in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 17 and 21 get stronger. And that's the wars, rumors of wars. That's the earthquakes. That is the pestilence and the famine. And these are the main disasters that happen through the field judgments at 25%, the Trump judge, trumpet, jump, trumpet judgments at 33%. And if the days were allowed to continue, 100% with the wrath bulls in the year of the Lord's wrath. And so things will play out in that sort of manner. And they've been kind of working in that direction even before the fig tree generation, because I think World War II was before the fig tree generation. And so as we get into the fig tree generation and all of these catastrophes are working together and they're all contrived is I think another uh, thing. And I think we've seen that with the wars uh, that are, are going on and our participation in uh, Ukraine and all the other feigned reasons for why the West is wanting to be, you know, part of uh, the police state or the policing of the world. They're all, all contrived wars. And we'll see that continue uh, in, in the end time. And, and we've seen with the last pestilence that was contrived. That seems to be pretty much the 101% conclusion now that that was uh, man-made, that was not um, naturally evolved seems to be clear and I think that'll become clear down the road but expect all of these to be contrived all of the sorrows to be contrived and to start working together and getting stronger as we work through the fig tree generation so much so that we're going to start to see false prophets and particularly the ones we want to keep an eye on are not ones that are sort of also rands or just not really connected we want to keep an eye on one that's going to be focused on a specific religious archetype, a specific belief system. And it's going to be introducing end time Babylon with these false prophets that will bring about this universal religion through the prophecies of doom. And that if we don't convert to this religion, we will all be wiped from the face of the earth. So it's this Babel syndrome, just as Nimrod was the first archetypical antichrist with the universal religion over sway over the whole world. This will be in that model as well. And uh, also with reflections that we get from Nazi Germany and the Third Reich. And so there's an interesting passage that I've mentioned several times in Revelation 2.10 where there's going to be 10 days of tribulation. And so we're really going to see these false prophets and persecutions really start to heat up. And so the tribulations are like the birth pangs. They get stronger as we go, go through the fig tree generation. So we see, you know, significant persecution and genocide that's going on in places that, that happened in places like Syria, places like China, um, throughout Southeast Asia and, and countries like Pakistan and parts of India, but that's going to get stronger, and it's going to get stronger throughout the whole world. So 10 days is three years before the last seven years, includes the first three and a half years, and inclusive but slightly different uh, is the Great Tribulation uh, for the Gentiles that includes the wrath. So this is something that we need to be aware of, so we need to sort of have 
an understanding of what this, this archetype is going to look like. And it's the same pattern, it's the same model. And I think you're going to find some very interesting correlations as we go through this tonight. And so just as the Jewish people were terrorized in World War II, and they wouldn't have stopped there. They were already looking at Catholics. They were already looking at other ethnics of who they were going to uh, remove from the face of the earth because they weren't part of this godhood society that we'll expand on a little bit down the road that's in the model of ancient Nephilim. So nothing good for humankind, only a place reserved for those of the bloodlines and those of the future new men. And so lost Israel in the end time when they're awakened in the last seven years be part of this tribulation as part of the part of the chosen ones and Christians. So Jewish people will take the take uh, that heat in the last three and a half years. Lost Israel with the 144,000, I think, begins to take that persecution in the in the first uh, three and a half years of the last seven. But Christians and all of those who hold the testimony of Jesus, whatever they want to call themselves, and in the faith and, and in the spirit of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, who are going to hold that testimony up, they will be persecuted, and will be persecuted before the last 10 years. It's just the level of persecution that's going to be rising, and that's the Greek word, philipses. Uh, which means is translated as affliction in Matthew 24, and it's also translated as tribulation in Revelation 7, Revelation 2.10, and um, in the great tribulation in Matthew 24.21, noting that the cognate uh, passage, Mark 13.19, translates Philipses as affliction instead of tribulation as Matthew 24 21 does and the same translation that's used by Jesus in Matthew 24 8 to 9. So tribulation is coming. And this is part of those sets of tribulation and Holocaust and genocide of the end time that includes the time of Jacob's trouble recorded in Jeremiah 37. At the time of the second exodus, because lost Israel will have been wakened at the time of, uh, and after the midpoint after Antichrist has ridden in the great tribulation. And this word trouble is the Hebrew word sarah, and it is defined exactly the same as philipses. So it would be the, philipses would be the cognate word for trouble or Sarah as what it's used for in the New Testament. So you find the consistency in the Bible is there. You just have to look for it, even if the translation isn't quite as accurate sometimes or as clear as what we would like it. This is also the same time of Daniel 12, and Michael um, is sitting, and then he stands in Revelation 12, and that's when the persecution of Judea starts at the midpoint of the last seven years when Antichrist crowns himself as Antichrist in the temple and reveals himself as 2 Thessalonians 2 talks about. And this is the time when Michael stands in the time of trouble, when he stands to fight Satan in Revelation 12, and that word trouble is Sarah again. And it's also the time when the resurrection in Ezekiel 37, which leads into the second exodus as well, 
in the teens of Ezekiel 37, the time of the resurrection of all of Israel and Judah, some for judgment for everlasting life, some for judgment for the second death. It's part of the great tribulation that happens after the abomination versus the tribulation against the saints before the tribulation. But there will also be tribulation of non-raptured saints. So all three are going through it as this whole scenario increases. And this makes sense when we read Revelation 17.16 or 17.6, where Babylon is drunk with the blood of the saints. And depending on the translation and their martyrdom and or the testimony of Jesus, because it's all the same, just as those in Revelation 6 are part of the first fruits that died for the testimony of Jesus and told to wait for a little bit longer for the tribulation of the saints to be martyred like they were. And that also includes the 144,000 called first fruits in Revelation 14, just before you receive the summary of the last seven years. And the two witnesses that begin their three and a half year commission at the same time as the 144,000 who are also killed in the hour of the destruction of Babylon, the hour of the rise of Antichrist, the hour of temptation and, and trial uh, that the uh, the saints totally thorough and still uh, and, and loyal to God and still alive will be saved from. So things sort of line up, and we need to be aware that we're going to go through tribulation before the last seven years, no matter what you think the timing is on on the rapture, because it's clear we're going we're going to have tribulation. It's just. Where does it happen? How fast? And uh, how horrible it gets. Um, but we need to be prepared for that. And Revelation 18.24 um, is talking about the blood on the hands of Babylon for killing all of the prophets and all of the saints. But Babylon's destroyed at the midpoint. So Antichrist takes over from this Holocaust and takes it to a whole new level, which is why it's the great tribulation not seen since the creation of the earth. And this will be uh, akin to, but in stronger doses as to what happened to the Christians in the last beast empire, noting that the beast empire coming rises from the ashes of the sixth empire of Rome. And uh, the two before them, as, as Daniel uh, prophesizes, uh, at the time of Babylon, before Babylon, it was Assyria and Egypt before that. And all the beast empires have an intimate relationship with Israel. And so will the seventh empire. And Antichrist at the midpoint becomes the eighth empire. And all will have an intimate relationship with Israel and Judah. And most mostly in a bad way, and that's why it's the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 37. So like what happened in Nazi Germany, um, the Jewish people are going to face tribulation and persecution as well, as well as the Christians. And Nero was described as the one who created the greatest tribulation against the saints in the early in the early church after the fall at around the, t- the fall of 
Jerusalem just before, actually, and described it as that persecution uh, glutted Nero's cruelty. And as it did with another Antichrist wannabe figure, Hitler in World War II. So he glutted his cruelty on the destruction of the Jewish people. And Babylon and Antichrist will do the same thing, but in in greater numbers. And Nazi Germany is analogous to what we're going to be seeing because National Socialism is that on a globalist scale. And it's what Hitler was trying to do is take his National Socialism and transplant that to a global state and to bring in his Third Reich, which is a thousand-year reign, so an Antichrist-like reign, just as Antichrist will pass or promise a thousand-year in the New Age in his, after his crowning at the midpoint of the last seven years. So you have a lot of analogies that are similar, and what we're seeing rising as part of the Soros is the rising of global, national, global socialism. And it's a progressive, which was the Western branch of National Socialism. It is that type of ideology and extremism that is going to be the political system, which is a one-party system, just as Hitler took over the world or took over Germany after being elected. Then he abolished the the government and and, uh, established himself as, as a dictator. Antichrist will do the same thing. He will do it in a similar illegal way as the book of Daniel describes it. And Hitler introduced introduced a form of an end-time religion. And he was the one that is set up to lead that religion. So it was not quite the same structure as what was prophesied for the end time, where the religion comes first, and then it sets the way for Antichrist and the false prophet to, to bring him to power. It's a little different order, and we're going to cover off some of these details. That I uh, can't cover them all off, but there's a lot I'm going to cover tonight. But if you do read Chapter 45, uh, you're going to find that it's absolutely loaded with information. And so there was a prosecutor at the Nuremberg trial named Ari Neves, and he uh, suspended all records and evidence of the occult side of the Nazis and how they it affected what they did, how it affected their polytheist religion, and the th- things that they did because of that polytheist religion, that's called Ariosophy, as they called it was a branch of theosophy, and we're going to get into that, but it had an Aryan slant to it, so a.k.a. the name Ariosophy. And Neve did not permit this evidence to be submitted, and it was suppressed and remained secret. You can get that now on archives out of the House of Congress about a lot of this information. I don't know whether they've released at all, but they've released a lot, and it is absolutely eye-opening. Ari was, uh, Ari Neve was concerned that if the evidence went into court of all of this wild, extremist, 
left-wing religious zealotism that they were practicing and that was at the root of their actions. If that was entered into evidence, it would open the door for their lawyers to enter insanity pleas. And so Winston Churchill classified everything and with agreement with President Roosevelt. And so it was not entered into into court. So they talked about the crimes and everything else, but they didn't talk about what was the motivation on the crimes. And it's the religious nature that was setting the tone for what Hitler's Nazi Germany would become. And he set up a church in 1933 called the Reich Church, the Millennial Church, the Thousand Year Reign Church. And as we talked about it, this is a, was a new religion that was an old religion. And it was a branch of theosophy, as we talked about, that begat with theosophy in Germany starting about 1892 to 1900. So it didn't take that long to really take root and then take over what the government was doing. It was the religious dynamite to what they were doing. And it was a combination of Aryan ideology and or Volkish ideology, you might hear it as as well, uh, which is sort of the German mythos that they take back on their legends back into prehistory and back to uh, before the flood and back to giants as Aryans and a combination of theosophy. And this Volkish ideology included a couple other things from the Rosicrucians, for example, and Western bloodlines of the Royales that they would call Grail. Um, we might understand it, what I talk about in the book as, as the fairy gens or the elven gens, uh, a bloodline that goes back into prehistory and back to the giants. And another ideology called the Grail. Uh, and not understood as the common goblet, but again, as the bloodlines of Jesus and Mary Magdalene um, that is scioned into a bloodline that uh, the occult uh, and, and the secret organizations trying to bring the end time about and Antichrist about, I believe we'll have a pedigree for. Not only back to several lines of giants and fallen angels uh, through the pro- a process that they call scioning, but also back to Mary Magdalene and Jesus. And they'll have forged documents that will seem real to try and pull that off, but I'm not here to talk about that aspect, just the ideology that is behind this Ariosophy. And Ariosophy uh, transformed Jesus into a mortal teacher, which you fully understand is what they do in, in, in Gnosticism and, and other religions around the world where they can't accept them as deity status, as the word Yehovah uh, or the Son of God, but they can accept them as a teacher and a prophet, but mortal. And with the Vedic bloodlines, which is really important. And they reduced them to blonde hair and blue eyes, which is your typical Aryan um, from their mythos, from the Tuatha Dodanan or Datanu out of the Ugaritic text or the tribe of Danu. Got a lot of different names, but one branch of Nephilim both before and after the flood, and likely Raphaim after the flood. So blonde hair, blue eyes, pale skin, giants. And they have a 
a little bit different mythos than that coming from Atlantis, which is the most common uh, source of these blonde-haired Aryans. And we'll get into that in, in a few minutes. And they also were smitten by the research of a fellow by the name of Otto Rahn. And smitten with the idea of bloodlines and race as a constitutive part of the elements of Ariosophy. So how that comes together with what we talked about with Ariosophy and their smittenness with the research of Otto Rahn is, is Otto Rahn is obsessed with the Grey Hollows and the Ark of the Covenant and the Grail and things like that and is doing uh, research and archaeology in many countries, uh, mostly in France in the area of the Cathars, um, where he is turning over important things and promising important things and is going to be funded by the SS and Nazi Germany to continue on this. And they actually believe that the Cathars held the Holy Grail. It's something different, again, than the goblet, although there would have very famous sort of goblets that they would drink blood from in their rituals. But this Holy Grail is a bloodline. It's the Sangral, as we talked about, the Sangreal and the Sangreal. They have several different versions with double entendres at all talking about this royal bloodline. And that's what they're smitten with. And it's captured in the fairy tale sense in the Indiana Jones movie. So you get uh, the ideology of what some of the things, whether it's the Ark of the Covenant or the Grail, but you don't get the true sort of sense of what they were wanting to do behind the religious push uh, within that fairy tale. But again, it's sort of a testimony that they like to put things out in plain sight and expect that the end time empire is going to be smitten with bloodlines and will be smitten with a specific bloodline of Antichrist and a a, a smittenness with the grail mythos of that bloodline as we just talked about as his pedigree that he's going to declare and with the Ark of the Covenant expect a counterfeit Ark of the Covenant because Antichrist is going to counterfeit everything just things we need to be aware of as we start to see the fourth right as some people talk about is starting to take shape and as the new age is promising this new age in this thousand year reign but the spurious and the occult thousand year reign is not the reign of of jesus it is the antichrist promise and he will come before christ so that he can deceive even the elect if that's possible with all of his deceptions that's how powerful things will be that is why we have to be saved from the time of trial from the time of temptation, the time of the crowning of Antichrist, because everything he does, including a false resurrection, will deceive the elect if that were possible. And that's why we're not only going to be saved from the wrath, which is in the last year, but also the time of trial, which is, I think, the mark of the beast. Because after that, if, if saints were to be that deceived, they're not going to be saved. So I, uh, one of the reasons of many, without getting too far down this rabbit trail tonight, why I think the time of trial and temptation that the book of Revelation talks about that we're going to be saved from is the same time and hour uh, that we've talked about with Babylon's destruction, Antichrist coming to power. And that time frame is encapsulated just before the seventh trumpet in Revelation 11, just before the, 
the third woe, after the second woe, with the death of the two witnesses who are part of the first fruits um, at the midpoint of the last seven years when the one who uh, once was and now is comes up out of the abyss to kill the two witnesses. So we have this time frame of an hour where the seventh trumpet is going to unfold and it's going to include many, many events in rapid succession. And so Hitler saw himself as a grail knight. And you might think that's kind of fanciful, but there's, with everything in the occult, there's a deeper meaning. So if you understand the grail as a bloodline, he's now a bloodline knight. But the knights of the round table of King Arthur are not just knights. They're depicted in the literature of these grail tales like Templar knights. It says the Templars were all bloodline royales. And even the two Cistercian monks were still bloodlines. So these are all of the royales. These are all of those who take their genealogies back to the Raphaim, the Nephilim, and Godfathers, the Celestial Mafia, Fallen Angels, the Nephilim. And so Hitler saw himself as some sort of bloodline, however he connects himself back. Could be just his own hubris, his own narcissism, and not true, but nonetheless, it's he thought of himself that way. And that's what we have to really be focused on with what the spurious forces are planning is this not whether or not we believe everything they're going to do because they lie but it's that they believe it and it's what they do with that belief system that we have to understand and and we have to come to terms with otherwise we're not going to be able to warn enough people so we need to be understanding of what the adversary is, is doing and that this round table is that ancient Lord of the Rings, as Tolkien liked to write about, uh, the Lord of the Rings, uh, the Ring Lord Kings of the Anunnaki, the earthly Anunnaki giants, crowned and awarded by the heavenly Anunnaki at their assembly at Nippur, which is thought to be Mount Hermon, just as after the flood, the Balim occupy the assembly of the gods described in Psalms 82, over the 70 nations described in Deuteronomy 32, and that all of their spurious offspring that they created, the bloodlines, have the divine right to rule given to them from that holy mountain that is Satan's mountain who sits above Mount Hermon as his holy assembly, uh, not Moed as the assembly of the congregation in Isaiah 14 of God, that's named, but a different one um, that is located at Mount Hermon. And as part of the invisible one. So there may be occupying that in a different dimension, but that seems to be where, where it's located. And it's important to keep this in mind as we dig deeper into what the Nazis were involved into. And keeping in mind that they were infatuated with the grail hallows and real and Volkish ideology and Atlantean ideology. And that was all overlaid into their new culture that they were 
bringing about in their new cult of polytheism that was based in ancient history. The SSS was regarded as the reincarnated Teutonic Knights of the Grail legend of the Knights Round Table. The bloodline knights again, and that's what the SS was. That's how they saw it. And that the SS funded Otto Rahn and his research uh, on the Grail and all the expansion of occult knowledge and rituals throughout the Nazi empire. And so the Nazis regarded themselves as quasi-religious movements born out of secret societies. And people probably weren't aware of that. And if you're not aware of that, you're not aware of how the polemic tree of secret societies is working tirelessly to bring about the end time. They're frustrated. They're not able to do it as fast as they want to do it. Nonetheless, they will keep working. They will not stop. This is transgenerational. This has been around since the time of Adam. This is the spirit of the Antichrist. This is to destroy humankind, to enslave humankind, and to ensure that enslave, destroy, and then ensure that humankind doesn't reach their destiny to be raised up like angels. That was the conspiracy. And after the resurrection, they continued with it out of sheer, utter destruction that they're going to levy so much so that nobody would be saved on the earth. So it will continue and it will get stronger. And so born out of secret societies, you're going to recognize some of the names are on the lower level of the Salamic tree, but important organizations as well, directed by the upper organizations of the bloodline royale organizations headed by the 13 families of Europe, as opposed to other organizations around the world that would have similar type of structure. And below them is the 30, the council of 33, and then the committee of 300 families. And then the Rosicrucians, that's about where we see that level integrating with the Nazis at the Rosicrucian and below level. So the SS was considered not only to be reincarnated Teutonic Knights, but reincarnated, not Freemasonry as the fairy tale aspect, reincarnated ancient masonry. That was before the flood that uh, came about because of the seven sacred sciences and the Enochian mysticism and the organizational structure that married with the creation of the giants through the marriage of their daughters to the celestial mafia and led the antediluvian world into apocalypse. That's the masonry they considered them with, and that's the path Hitler was on. The same has happened before the the same that has happened before the flood. And so the start of National Socialism and bringing Hitler to power was sponsored by the Rosicrucians and also funded by banks that were working with the Rosicrucians and the Rothschild bloodlines. And uh, with that, that brings in the Committee of 300 just above the Rosicrucians, anything to do with money, banking, particularly IMF, World Bank, all things like that, the Davos crew, Bilderbergers are all reporting into the Committee of 300. But the Freemasons as well, which is the lowest level and would be an entry level for Nazi masonry, so they would make use of Nazi Freemasons, and that's part of the double entendre that they like to hide things above. And then between the Rosicrucians and Freemasons are the Illuminati. And 
that the SS and the Teutonic uh, senior knights are the bloodlines of Germany and bloodlines that they would be considering of other countries that they would bring into the fold as vassal bloodlines subservient to Hitler, just as they did with France as one example, and what was done in the past, uh, particularly with the beast empires they would have sitting at their court, all of these vassal kings and the control of the bloodlines by keeping all of them uh, in his court. Uh, the Persians were very much part of that, uh, including a gag of the Amalekites that we covered in shows past. And it also included an organization called the Thule Society that we're going to talk about. And it also included the Germanen Orden um, as uh, one of the key organizations of the secret societies. And so the Germanen Orden means German order. And it was uh, the main order that was created in 1912 by uh, fellow by the name of Von List and his disciples. And he had many disciples at this point because he's heavily involved with the introduction of theosophy and they're creating organizations since between 1892 and 1900 when it was introduced. And it has morphed by this point into this Ariosophy branch or perversion as the divides would tell you within polytheism. Uh, that these were the black hats and not the white hats in Germany, the black hats. Uh, they all worship the same pantheon of gods. It doesn't matter what hat they're wearing. But that's just my opinion. I'm not in, um, you know, amongst the uh, the polytheists or a supporter of them in any sort of way. So I'll let them describe themselves any way that they want. And it also included by the, a fellow by the name of Von Liefenfeld. And between them is they created this doctrine of Ariosophy, and there's going to be a couple other contributors, but they're the, the two introductional dynamos that are bringing this together, inclusive of other organizations, and in particularly these Masonic organizations uh, with that real ideology, which is why it's called the Thule Society and the German Orden. They would have comparable organizations in other European countries and around the world including China. And in 1907, uh, the new Templar order was created. And this is, again, with that infatuation of the Templars, again, with these bloodlines, and with that the Templars were the keeper of the message of the bloodlines. Only this is a morphed, perverted one that's not the Anjou bloodline or the necessarily the bloodline of, of England, but who knows, because there were Hanovers and maybe at some point in time, if things had worked out differently, that bloodline may have appeared taking over the German, taking over the German Empire. But this is the, uh, this is the new Templar order that is the Teutonic orders. And the Teutonic Knights were a knight order similar to the Templars, just as the Knights of St. John was, and the Knights of the Sepulchre the whole group of them formed in the Templar model at that time, and all with a similar identical structure, and all were polytheists. And this one is was specifically drafted to uh, be the, uh, the the Teutonic real Volkish uh, order. 
And you also have another group that was created in the early 1900s called the German Worker Party that is going to be part of this whole movement as well. But just want to drop that out before we uh, get into 1912 with the form of the German Order. It was formally formed, although it was working before that as, a, as, as an informal organization. And in 1918, the German Order or the German Order spawned the Thule Society. And it's led by von Zibettendorf, the Thule Society, uh, who added the real ideology, was the one who brought that along. So he's Rosicrucian and bloodline, but from a German perspective. And the Thule is, uh, is an island in, before the flood. It is the Germanic Volkisch Atlantis. And Atlantis is the home of the blonde-haired, blue-eyed, pale-skinned Aryans and the ones who survived and escape out of Tartarus after the flood in their mythos. And then are the Tuatha Dudanan or the Datanu or all the different names of Scythians that migrated up the Danube River and into Germany and into Kiev and into Russia and into Norway and to Sweden and all part of that whole blonde-haired, uh, call it Eastern Tuatha Dudanan culture, just as Tolkien was using this type of ideology and sourcing of information in terms of the fairy or the elven aspect and um, how they reference the different types of beings and kingdoms from a, a Eastern Tuatha Dé Danann versus the fairy culture out of Ireland and England, Scotland and places like that. And so Tolkien, he comes from Norway and his bloodlines and he's utilizing that Nordic um, mythos in, in Lord of the Rings. And this was the Aryan Atlantis and would also be understood as Asgard in other legends. And it's the home of black magic, uh, powerful alchemy, powerful application of the seven sacred sciences that was expanded and accelerated with elicit knowledge from the celestial mafia and the same island that was trying to as it's understood atlantis in greek mythology was trying to set up a world government it was considered the helm of world government in its making was the center of the world in terms of culture religion and advancements and that's what the thule society was based on and the Thule Society organized the DAP, which was the German uh, Worker Party, uh, before 1918. But Thule organized uh, the DAP, and Hitler joins the DAP in 1919. And between the DAP, the German Worker Party, and the political workers' circle, uh, they were all merged together. by the Thule Society. And this is then morphed into uh, the Nazi party that a fellow by the name of uh, Eckhart mentors 
and brings Hitler into to lead because they need a leader for this party. So you have a bloodline bringing in this other individual. He's going to bring him into the occult, although a lot of research would suggest that Hitler was heavily into the cult even beforehand. But he is now mentored at to the adept level to be the leader. Uh, I don't know how far up he would have gotten, but he was uh, certainly being utilized by the bloodlines of these Masonic organizations within Germany. This is what is going to be things we need to be looking at for political intrigue as the globalist government comes about. And that it was the civil society that was formed by the Bettendorf. As we mentioned earlier, and his major role in that whole um, Ariosophy ideology that became the Rice Church in 1933. And so there was also a movement for the, that was taken over was the German youth movement in the 1920s. And they were initiating, inducting them into polytheism with oaths of the youth into the SS and polytheism. They were taught uh, to uh, understand the occult values and religion and they're being brainwashed. So if you look what's going on in our schools today, you see the movement happening now where they're trying to initiate the students within the schools right down at kindergarten level and up now in the polytheist ideology in preparation for the world government. It's working the same policies and it's the progressives that are doing it because they were the Western party of that time. And people say you can't compare them to their Eastern neighbors. Well, we can call them pre-genocidal Nazis because they're doing the same policies before the genocide starting is what the Nazis did. And another interesting uh, concept of this Nazism was the theosophical avatars. And the avatars were the invisible secret masters and leaders that the Nazi leaders, including Hitler, reported to, which is why he had to become an adept, because it's at the Rosicrucian level that they start communicating with these invisible ones, the celestial masters, the great white brotherhood, demons and fallen angels. Some people might even say spiritual guides and or aliens. They're all part of the same hierarchy, both invisible and visible, and Hitler was part of the visible government on earth and trying to bring about the end time before its time. He is an antichrist wannabe or was an antichrist wannabe. And then two other individuals I'll just mention were Rosenberg and Ernst Bergman. And they were the Nazis theoreticians. So you had the doctrines, but now it was molded into theology into the Reich church that was formed in 1933 and it was distinctly anti-Christian, anti-Jewish, and distinctly pro-new man or Nephilim or blonde hair, blue eyes, and the recreation of giants. And that this was an introduction of the new Nordic race, or the old Nordic race, as they would like, and they would, they could pre, they felt that they could engineer backwards the real bloodline, they could recreate giants again. And so they're trying to introduce godhood 
in their new Reich, in their new promised millennium, just as we will see a form of this in but a higher advanced level in terms of evolving into good godhood. And that will involve not only godlike bodies that are going to be provided through technology and also access to unlimited knowledge. And it was very much anti-Christian and it promoted a false Christ and expect that to all be typical of what's coming in the end time. And Bergman, he said that this new Ariosophy of the Rice Church was the same as the cult of Mithras. You know, that cult that was very popular in the Sixth Empire of Rome and particularly amongst the military that uh, many polytheists compare to Jesus um, as being the one that Jesus was modeled on and the one that was resurrected and the one that was born on um, December 25, which we, interestingly enough, celebrate uh, Jesus' birthday on, which is not the true calendar date. It should be more like uh, late September, perhaps early October, depending on how you want to time that. But what's interesting about that is, is that um, this God was called the Father of Light, just as Lucifer likes to masquerade as the Angel of Light and also called the Great Architect in Mithras, as what they called him in Ariosophy. And that this was, Mithras was a branch religion of Zoroastrianism of the Aryans, uh, both uh, India, uh, Indus Valley, at, right after the flood, and into the Persia area, um, where they also called God the Great Architect. And it is sort of the transference of Enochian mysticism after the flood and its beginnings, and it pops up all the way downstream throughout the beast empires and different versions, and then pops up in uh, Nazi Germany, and we'll see that form of religion as a mystical religion, just as Babylon is called Mystery Babylon, as Mysterian and, and initiative, uh, oath-based polytheist religion uh, in the end time. So again, all of the similar events are just being us reflective, but in a minor way of what's going to happen in the end time. And I know my time is going to run out, so I'll wrap this up in the next couple of minutes. So in 1933, after a Wagner uh, Parsifal play, a Grail Templar play, um, Hitler announced his right church to replace Christianity. And Wagner uh, wrote about Grail and Volkish ideology in his um, literature and in his plays and in, in his music. And in 1934, Rosenberg and Goebbels, the two theoreticians of Ariosophy, they partnered to form the Thought Police, which was the Gestapo. And I think we see a national police state rising in the U.S. today that will be linked to the globalists uh, and all of the progressives and they totally dominate that today and expect that is part of the infrastructure that will be rising around the world. And Hitler saw himself as a Magianic figure and a Pan-Aryan avatar of the Celestial Mastia, of the Celestial Masters, the Celestial Mafia, the Godfathers, the Fallen Angels, the Nephilim. 
and that he would receive his power and his insight from them in his communication with them. This will be akin to Antichrist. Hitler built his Fuhrer image as a Magianic figure from Wagner's and George's co-opted Fuhrer and Wagner's uh, Longengrim um, play. And one of the reasons why that Hitler went to see uh, Parsevel in 1933 and then announced the Reich the, the day after. And Wagner was very much a saint-like individual within Ariosophy. Uh, they co-opted all of his stuff and built a lot of their, their doctrines on that. And Hitler burned to... Uh, well, now that's just about as weird as it gets. Why is it that, that this is the second time in the row? <laughs> the second time in a row, I think, if I recall correctly, that um, poor Gary gets like accidentally electronically disconnected literally 30 seconds before he's done. That is just so weird. But anyway, we love having Gary join us. I don't know if he's going to call back in. That would be almost kind of silly considering that he likes to uh, drop at 9 Eastern time anyway. But what a blessing again. Uh, thank you, Gary. I doubt you're hearing this, but if you are by some miracle, uh, we just want to say a special word of thanks again. www.thegenesis6conspiracy.com. He did call in. Praise Jesus. Here he is. Hold on. Let's bring him back alive again. Hey, Gary, how come you, you drop off like 30 seconds before the segment ends every time? What's up? That's weird, huh? I, 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 I don't know. That's very weird. Something's going on. So, I, but I was finishing, and so I was, I was just summarizing that you know everything that Hitler did in his regime was very much end time driven, and that we can take all of these things that he's doing and look at it for uh, what we should should anticipate coming, and how fast that it can happen once it gets moving. I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, it's amazing to me over the years looking, um, you know, uh, I've written, I wrote articles over 12 years ago about, you know, the rise of the Fourth Reich and the, and the similarities are, it, it, it seems to me that Hitler's whole deal, I'll stick to, you know, just the whole deal. The whole World War II Hitler deal was really just a big evil practice session for the Great Tribulation because it's amazing how many of those things they did and whatever are incorporated into the things that the WEF and these other entities from the bowels of hell are trying to impose upon us right now. So uh, it's so reflective, it's undeniable, but... Anyway, thank you so much for joining us tonight. God bless you. Thanks for calling back in again. Too. All right, we're already looking forward to you joining us again uh, next hey, month. Yeah. I, share again really quick uh, your awesome. uh, website and the name of your forthcoming book. Yes, the website that my book will also have excerpts on and be available through uh, is uh, the Genesis6Conspiracy.com. That's www.genesis6, the number 6Conspiracy.com. And on that, uh, on the release of the new book, it should be for October or November. And uh, I will have the information up on the website much uh, before that. It's called the Genesis 6 Conspiracy Part 2, How Understanding.
and prehistory and giants helps to define end time prophecy. So look forward to that. Praise God. Thank you again, Gary, for joining us tonight. God bless you. It's one, it's a favorite show of so many of the listeners. And um, uh, your work is, uh, again, second to none. God bless you for all of that effort that you have put into this because it's a mighty big blessing for a lot of people. Thank you again. Thank you. And have a great week. Uh, and the next couple of months. You I mean, uh, weeks. All right. Yeah, you too as well. God bless you, brother. All right. Um, and let's go ahead and... Um, Finish up uh, the last uh, few segments of the news. This is in regard um, to the fact that they have the, the, the darkness, the shape-shifting reptilians that are ruling Babylon the Great right now through the Antichrist, Biden, Obama, and all the other sick, twisted witchcraft and infilt and human alien-human hybrid infested uh, uh, lawmakers. It's really some super dark, creepy stuff. But anyway, this is a little commentary by Water in regard to how the indictments uh, against Trump are being, it's the sleight of hand. He brings forward the sleight of hand dynamic, and then I'll recap it right after you listen to a little bit of this. All right, let's bring this live. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Here we go. It's coordinated to take the heat off Biden. This is the third time this has happened. You ready? On March 17th, Hunter admitted the laptop was his. And on the very next day, Trump received word Alvin Bragg was indicting him in New York. On June 8th, an FBI document broke that Ukraine paid Biden a $5 million bribe. And the next day, on June 9th, Biden's DOJ indicts Trump on the Mar-a-Lago documents. Yesterday, on July 31st, a Biden insider told Congress that Biden spoke with Hunter Biden's business partners dozens of times. And Hunter was paid handsomely to get his dad to fire the prosecutor in Ukraine. And then today, August 1st, Biden's Justice Department indicts Trump on January 6th charges. The timing of this indictment was coordinated to take the heat off Biden. This is the third time this has happened. You ready? On March 17th, Hunter admitted the laptop was his. All right. So anyway, he did a pretty uh, darn good job of uh, nailing it down. So I won't repeat uh, some of the other posts that were out there that essentially said the same thing. Now, um, there have been some recent posts out there in, in social media, et cetera, of events that have occurred. And they've, uh, you know, some people are calling it like the ultra MAGA party. Uh, you know, of course, everybody calls names and stuff like that and whatever. However, I'm going to play this little, I have, it's been weeks since I've played this, so I forget exactly what is said. But as I recall, um, it was very troubling because it, it kind of like sort of appeared to me that it was a person, an angry person in the audience yelling very loudly and representing themselves as a Christian. Now, um, uh, you know, and let's just listen and then we'll see where it ends up. Right. Here we go. Praise God. Loading up. And here we go. You stole the election. You stole it. You stole it, guys. You stole it. You're a pedophile, too. Because we are the United States 
are going to try to destroy every church. They're going to try to audit every Christian. These people, they're lawless, and they have no boundaries. Right? And they're godless. Patriot Mobile. They aren't just a wireless provider. They are a political movement. Here is their executive director. My name is Lee Wamscon, and my pronouns are Bible believer, Jesus lover, gun carrier, and mama bear. That means more than 100,000 students now go to schools controlled by people elected by this weird conservative cell phone company. Hillsdale College is this small conservative Christian school, a school that, despite being small, you know, is really punching way above its weight class. We talk about a movement that's going across the country. This is not something that ends in Florida. This is the bread and butter of the new conservative movement. We're only just now starting to understand just how pervasive this is. And part of this Christian conservative ideology is standing firm that you will not make my kids accept LGBTQ students. You will not force us or any teachers to address kids by their chosen pronouns. We're in a period like the revolution, when it appears like this is a civil war, it's gonna be tough, and you're gonna see who stands up and who doesn't stand up. So to me, it's most important that we continue on building this army to be awakened. We're not gonna debate this out. We're not gonna hug it out. We're not gonna convince them. They'll never convince us. We'll never convince them. What we have to do is get the citizens of this country, as many as possible, awakened to what the reality is, and then get them to the ballot box and make them become advocates for this nation. So, I don't know how well you heard the dialogue in the background and the things that were were being said, but I can also tell you that the video was showing one group of warriors fighting other groups of warriors. They're talking about guns. They're saying this is going to be taken violently, uh, you know, and these are Christians. So basically what they're doing is they are getting out in front of um, – the, you know, all of the evil entities that are out there that are commandeering this country, of course, this is an American way of thinking more than any other country in the, in the world, uh, and they're basically saying we are Christians, we're not going to allow it anymore, and we will be violent in order to achieve our goals. Uh, and, of course, the video supports that. Um, it makes Jason Aldean's video look kind of wimpy. But anyway... Um, the problem that you have there is that's exactly falling into the hands of Satan. This is why Jesus and the Bible tell us that we are citizens of heaven, and if we are friends with earth, we are at enmity with God. We're really not a part of any of these things except through prayer, praying for the lost, uh, and praying for the people that are misled and don't understand and were inappropriately taught by their pastors and preachers, and they're doing things you know that they should not be doing or thinking about doing. Th- and and when, you, when you make this such a public thing, when you make this such an in-your-face, we're going to fight you, we're going to kill you, we have guns, we are Christians. When you make that message and you project that message out into the darkness, what happens? We're all targets now. See, I, I, I actually wrote an article uh, a very long time ago, probably about 11 years ago, maybe 12 and it was it was it was about you know it was when the lord was revealing to my heart that guns were not a part of being a christian i i was exactly the opposite before you know united states navy marksman you know really believe me i was so close to buying all kind of stuff well anyway the lord came upon me 
uh, in a big way and showed me uh, spiritually and everything and in just so many different ways that, um, no, that's not who Jesus is. That's not who we are. Um, even what Jesus said to Pontius Pilate, you know, if, if, we, we, if my kingdom was from here, my, my servants would fight, but my kingdom isn't from here, so we're not going to. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The problem is that the vast majority, if not 99.9999999% of all Christians out there do not understand these principles, and neither do their pastors, which is a terrible situation, and they need our prayer like crazy. Unfortunately, the side effect of this position, while it is bar none the most popular position in uh, evangelical Christianity, which I'm not a big fan of, um, uh, unfortunately, it's going to reflect badly on us. So when it says in John 16, too, when Jesus prophetically stated, they will kick you out of the synagogues. Yes, there will come a time that they kill you and think that they have done God a service. But they do this because they do not know the Father nor me. God, our Father, the Holy Spirit, through that penmanship, was explaining to us that if you truly know our Father, if you truly know our Lord Jesus, then you know that we are sheep led to the slaughter. We are we are sheep of peace. We 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 you know they take our cloak, we give them another cloak. You know we return no evil for evil ever. Okay, we are beings of light and love. Okay, and then we're sojourners of and not part of this world. Okay, and so unfortunately we're very very teeny teeny weeny little bitty group amongst billions of people who believe that they're Christians. Um, and uh, so it's a very unfortunate situation. So it's going to jeopardize many of us. Again, that's why I've been recently preaching about being very careful, consulting God, you know, Isaiah thirty twenty one. Uh, you will hear in your ear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, whenever you turn to the left hand or whenever you turn to the right. Be very, very careful what you decide to do in these days because there's a bullet with your name on it. And you might say, well, God's angels will protect me, this, that, and the other thing. But see, when you, when you don't use your noggin, and you don't read your Bible, and you don't think about these things, and you don't meditate upon these things, and you don't become like Jesus, and you're not thinking with the fruits of the Spirit, when you deviate from the Word of God, you also forfeit the protection. The foundation of our protection comes from the Word of God and behaving and being obedient to it. Praise God. All right, so again, let's continue forward. NATO members are now openly discussing war plans against Russia. So I want to go ahead and play this audio clip for you. Hold on just a second. Let's bring it up. This is Colonel Douglas McGregor. Watching to see what comes out of it. And thus far, we have a couple of things. First of all, we haven't said no, Ukraine cannot join NATO. What we've said, actually, is that the two-step process is now going to become a one-step process. Uh, of course, with the caveat that you can then join when the war is over. The second part, though, is very, very important, and that is that the members are now supposedly openly discussing war plans against Russia. Now, this, this kind of thing is extremely sensitive, as you can imagine. Yeah. You can imagine the impact on Moscow. Uh, thus far, Putin has held 300,000 troops in reserve, you know, hoping that he doesn't have to commit them because he's always worried about NATO intervention. And at the same time, you have the Poles, the Lithuanians, who are saying, well, we're going to go in regardless of what the NATO alliance says. And if we go in, we're not really going to drag NATO with us. The problem with that, of course, is that they're part of NATO. And if they do go in, 
the Russians will treat them as a NATO Trojan horse and they will attack. Mm -hmm. So we're really on the path to war. And I think we ought to start asking some hard questions of this man who's 80 years old, who has trouble finding his way off the stage, about what he's actually doing. I mean, we're in the hands of a man who is not entirely mentally stable. Russians are watching. Actually, there, Colonel Douglas, if you only knew that we're in the hands of the Antichrist and for watching the Bible read like a newspaper. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Military.com reports right on their website. We need a limited military draft. So there, see, I, um, if you read the book by uh, Cheryl Atkinson, it's a really unusual spelling, uh, but um, the steel, um, you will uh, learn how disinformation works out on the Internet very well. I think she does a fabulous job in, in that right up. Uh, Glenn Beck recommended it uh, because he was a part of the whole thing that this and, and what she went through happened to him at Fox and etc. But anyway, the point is that um, the op-eds that you find on places like military.com, MSNBC, it doesn't really matter, BBC, the op-eds are mind control. Okay? So I'm just hyper simplifying it for you so that you kind of like know it in advance. Op, opinion, editorials, op-eds. Those are mind control. They do those on purpose. So I always pay extremely close attention to the op-eds because those are put there to program you as to what they're already planning on doing. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Trump held back information that might have caused uh, a, a civil war. Now, that's one one zillionth of what this lady had to say, but she's, excuse me, she's going through the circuit of all of the mainstream. Wow, I get the hiccups. That's just dandy. <laughs> uh, anyway, so uh, her name is Dr. Jan Halper, and um, she's a Republican commentator, but also an expert on the things that are going on with Trump and the DO, and part of the a part of a DOD task force. Uh, and she has, you know, uh, claims that everybody that she's talked to, and you know herself as well, have so much evidence of the 2020 election being stolen that, you know, it's unbelievable. But anyway, let's listen to what she has to say about uh, the dynamics that are actually happening behind the scenes of all these, uh, you know, indictments of Trump and, you know, how little it actually really means in the grand scheme of things, according to her. But anyway, let's listen to this. You know, I sit on a task force at the Department of Defense, and the thing is, they've got the goods. They've got the goods, and Trump knew that if he presented any of the goods early on, we'd have a civil war, that he really felt that the people needed to see how bad it could get. And that's the you know, you know, I sit on a task force at the Department of Defense, and the thing is, they've got the goods. They've got the goods, and Trump knew that if he presented any of the goods early on, we'd have a civil war, that he really felt that the people needed to see how bad it could get. And that's the you know, you know, I sit on a task force at the Department of Defense, and the thing is, they've got the goods. 
they've got the goods. And Trump knew that if he presented any of the goods early on, we'd have a civil war. That he really felt that the people needed to see how bad it could get. And that's the you know, you know, I sit on a task force. All right, praise God. So I'll just go ahead and cut this. But anyway, you heard it from her. She's the expert, DOD connections, all that kind of stuff. We'll have to see how this all pans out. You've got um, gazillions of other experts out there that are, um, you know, deeply involved, uh, knee deep, if not shoulder deep, uh, into all the things that are happening right now and uh, the subpoena power that Trump has been given. And uh, it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, really, if it takes until 2024 for them to figure and sort all this stuff out, I guess it doesn't really make a hill of beans anyway, because the, what, you know, what the uh, reptilians wanted to do, they managed to accomplish. Uh, the damage that's been done on a global level right now, folks, you know, try to think of what it would take to reverse it. If you really, if you can embrace what's happened in the Netherlands, what's happened in France, what's happened in, in Africa right now, and all the other places in China and blah, 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 and that, you know, I mean, really. Okay. But, you know, you got to be a pretty deep thinker to really consider all those things and kind of weave them together into a big old uh, Caesar salad and sort it out. All right. Praise God. Next thing up. Full-scale war on uh, Niger is about to take place. Okay. And it says, uh, so... I got several headlines here. Another headline is French embassy in Niger is currently under siege. Another headline um, is a person that uh, evidently has connections within people, whistleblowers in the Pentagon and stuff like that, who says that he's gotten a hold of a leaked document with a flash message from a sergeant in the Nigerian army, and they're preparing for deployment of personnel and anti-aircraft equipment on, in the city of Sokoto, uh, you know, because they're going to war. They're getting ready to go to war. Impending operation in Niger. They haven't got an official name yet, but it's about to happen. Um, and then you have uh, a, a little bit of a commentary here from uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor on what they refer to as the coup in Niger. Let's go ahead and listen to what he has to say. And then I'll tie a ribbon on what's going on as of now. I just looked it up a couple of seconds ago to just see if, you know, how about it? Is. Most of Africa, tragically, is not a, a, a great place to live. It's very sad. And uh, when they first created this thing called Africa Command, I was still in active duty. And I had the misfortune to open my big mouth in a room full of generals and others and say, what the hell are we calling this place Africa Com for? Africa Command, are you crazy? If you were an African, what would you think about the United States if it created a military organization called Africa Command? I said, I'd be offended. So whatever you do, don't call it Africa Command. Well, obviously, I had a big impact. <laughs> I was invited to leave, and I was not invited back to any more of those meetings. Look, Africa is a, is a difficult place. The French portions that you're talking about in northwest Africa have been called Afrique du Nord. This is a famous area that the French have dominated uh, in imperial times, and they've dominated it since then, certainly in many ways, linguistically and culturally. The problem is that the Africans resent it. They've never felt as though they were given a square deal when it came to independence from France, because the French stipulated in, in all of the agreements, certain French interests had to be protected and receive special treatment. And the French army is renowned for going wherever French interests are at stake, business interests. You know, And the Africans are, are fed up with it. And so this is an example in Niger where 
a, a supposedly U.S.-backed government with a U.S.-trained military suddenly turned around and said, I think all of you white people need to get out of here. We've had it with you. Go away. Go, Europeans, leave. Uh, the Russians, you know, haven't done business that way. The Russians, in fact, Putin recently forgave $23 billion of debt owed to Russia by many of these countries in sub-Saharan and some of Saharan Africa. I mean, it was never going to be paid back. You had a much better shot of profiting if you just forgave it, you know, turn back the clock to zero and start it over, which is what he's done. We would benefit from doing similar things in many parts of the world. In fact, we would benefit enormously if we simply admitted that we can't go on with the enormous sovereign debt that hangs over our heads. But nobody will do that. Uh, the point is, I think it had less to do with the Russians or the Chinese and simply to do with the anger and frustration that built up for a long time towards colonialism. And uh, the Africans said, enough. We should say, fine, good luck. And then we ought to question what we're doing in all of these places with military power. If you want to go into these places, by all means, look for business, compete on the business level, but get out of this uh, militarized foreign policy. It's a it's a loser. All right. <clears throat> well said. And it, it, the war uh, situation over there is intensifying. Uh, the breaking news just prior to the show was the situation in Niger, uh, Niger uh, remains um, extremely tense after the coup by Russian-backed junta, which is Wagner. So the Wagner teams, I've been monitoring this all day. Most people would not perceive this, you know, Americans, most Americans knowing very little bit about geography and such like that would really not appreciate the significance of this. But when you realize that the last, you know, as far as I know, it's liquid natural gas pipeline goes in from Nigeria through Niger and then north straight up to, well, it goes into Europe. So what we're talking about is uh, this is the last of the Nord Stream pipelines, okay? And um, and there are some pretty significant infrastructure dependencies that exist between Nigeria and Niger. In fact, Nigeria turned off the electricity for Niger, which I'm sure they were really happy about. And no better way to stir up a wasp nest. But anyway, um, and uh, they, they've been meeting, you know, 30, 40, 50,000, 150, 250,000 people meeting in stadiums and stuff. So they're preparing. They're preparing for war. And there are several countries, by the way, that um, are supporting them. So I'm kind of scrolling down through this vast array of various uh, headlines that I've been collecting throughout the day in regard to that because it's very significant. It may not at first glance seem significant, but it actually is very significant. Um, here, I'll pull up this one little um, diddly uh, that talks a little bit about um, which countries are which. Hold on a second. I've got to like, expand it to be able to see it a little bit better but we're talking about um oh man i gotta really rock the mic in close here so it looks like molly and uh burkina faso which i didn't even rem i didn't even recall as a, a country in africa so my bad um are both them and also guinea Okay, are all three of those countries are supporting Niger. Uh, however, the ECOWAS countries, which were the ones that have been under colonial rule of France like 
forever include Nigeria, um, uh, Ghana, Ivory Coast, uh, Sierra Leone, Liberia, um, another portion of Guinea, Senegal, uh, and they are preparing to attack uh, Niger. Okay, but it's even further complicated by the fact that the Wagner Group, which of course represent ultimately, at least in the eyes of the world, Russia, and this is a, a thing of Russia's interest. I mean, you know, they Russia knows that we're trying to kill them. Russia knows we're trying to kill Putin. Russia knows we're trying to take over the world. Russia knows that we're the most evil, sinister, baby-killing, backstabbing, baby-deforming, har- you know, har- organ-harvesting, blood-drinking, filthy, demonic, satanic country that has ever manifest itself on on planet earth they know that and they're making laws that are that are like what we should be doing making laws against you know but everything that we should be doing they're doing it already all right so anyway praise god i just wanted to point that all out to you um you know what i can tell you is it's bounced back and forth uh you know where it looked like it was gonna blow up and go full-blown war and then it backed off for a little bit a while you know a few hours and then wagner showed up and Things started to heat up again, uh, and the last I've been able to tell uh, from the reports that I've been monitoring is that the military junta in Niger uh, is in, within the last hour claims that ECOWAS, which is all the countries that are part of the French coalition down there, that don't want to – you know they're they're under control of the WEF. They're under control of Macron and the Illuminati, and and they they're playing the game. You know it's like when you're owned by these entities, when you are corrupt to the core, you're going to protect your corruption with all your might, and that's exactly what they're wanting to do. And Niger is like no. We don't want to play this game anymore. So anyway, and it's uh, and then right smack dab in the middle of it is a pipeline that is vital. All right, praise God, thank you, Jesus, Hallelujah. Next one up. The Epic Times reports that the energy industry fears White House will be, will declare a COVID-like climate emergency. Now, this is supported, by the way, by a um, large and noteworthy portfolio of articles that are out there from many different sources stated in many different ways, such as California debating at the government level whether or not that they should just go ahead and pre proactively institute rolling blackouts. There are other places that are in vulnerable grid areas that have been discussing such things. Uh, This is all in the midst of climate deniers because people don't understand that Planet X has nothing to do with global warming. It is what's known as catastrophic climate change. They've known about it for 20 plus years. I've got white papers written by the United States military that call it catastrophic climate change. They're just doing the evil, sinister, baby-killing stuff that they have always done and they're extremely evil they hate our guts and they know that we do well eating meat and eggs and things like that and they're trying to take that all away from us they don't care because they eat us sorry but facts are facts they eat us Reptilian beings have always been carnivorous towards humans, and they really don't care. Oh, by the way, in my research, which is extensive, extensive on aliens, 
Okay, and I'm not going to split hairs over the benevolent ones versus the the holy watchers that are mentioned in the Bible by Daniel. Uh, yeah, I'm just not going to get into all that. I have in the past, and I just don't got time tonight. But my point is this. Okay, the fallen angelic entities that are – some are on the earth working in mill labs and working with the military, working with government leaders to orchestrate – destruction of humanity because they're part of the fallen angelic uh, entourage, okay? And there's a lot of them. And they've made more, okay, through their hybridization methodologies that I talked about with Dr. David Jacobs and everything on the last show. This is, and we were seeing it live. We're seeing live video of alien-human hybrids telepathically controlling people in Congress. They're stick- I mean, it's right out in front of you. I, I watch the people comment on on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, and and they're they're oblivious. They're like, what's the matter with that person? And you see him saying that just the dumbest thumbtack things. But anyway, whatever. You know, no one's. You know, people just do not want to accept that the alien. How can you look? What? What is the IQ of an individual who can look at the space telescope images and walk away from them and say, eh, there's no aliens out there? I mean, does that take like one brain cell? It's hard to imagine that level of ignorance. Unfortunately, it surrounds us and we have to deal with it. It's what's known as... um, long-suffering. Praise God. So you just kind of walk away. You say, God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. Uh, I'll pray for you and pray. Never say I'll pray. Don't say prayers your way and then not pray because that's a lie and God doesn't like that and all liars will be cast into the lake of fire. Read your Bible. All right. It's in Revelation toward the end. All right. Chinese organ harvesters were caught live on video with frozen children inside of containers. And there's a bunch of fuss, and I could play the audio for this. Uh, you get to see it on the video, which is most disturbing, and it's something you can't unsee, so it's not high on my list of recommendations, but that's just how sick it has become. And anyway, um, but anyway, um, so we move on. It is what it is, and, you know, soon we're leaving. All right, next one up. All right, so War Monitor is a uh, specialist who uh, keeps his ear to very close to military sources and intelligence uh, on what's happening over in the Ukraine. And just so you know, within the last 48 hours, uh, actually it was yesterday, there was a massive uh, offensive by the Russian Federation, whereby um, that with the exception of Odessa, uh, the entire Ukraine lit up with Air alert uh, sirens because there were caliber missiles. That's their tomahawk, their version of a tomahawk, which goes about a third of a distance longer than the American tomahawk, and their destructive power is about three times an American tomahawk. And and these things are amazing. I've seen videos of them flying overhead for for almost, well, over a year now. Um, But anyway, um, the point is that there was an offensive with uh, calibers all over. So it wasn't just, you know, normally you look at the map of the Ukraine, they, they make red the various provinces uh, where the calibers were hitting. And usually it's just a little pocket here, a pocket there. Maybe, you know, it was every single part of 
the Ukraine, solid red. So they're opening up uh, and increasing their strategic attacks while also doing the best they can not to destroy critical infrastructure too much because uh, there's too many of their relatives their aunts, their uncles, their grandchildren, and stuff like that, they live over there. Okay, it's, it's, you can't, anyway, I'm not going to get into all the details because that requires going back in history and yada, yada, yada. And you can do that yourself. All right, praise God. Russia unleashes a strike against the Ukraine, Kiev, and targets the Crimean Bridge. So uh, this is going to continue to be one of the most um, attractive um, targets for uh, the Pentagon as it continues to attack Russia, uh, you know, while pretending that it's not America attacking Russia. After a while, it just gets so... You know, frustrating. You just wish somebody would, you know, there's people that are coming out and talking about it, but even the people that are the experts about it, they're not being quite as frank as I wish they would be. Um, you know, maybe for political reasons or whatever the case is, I don't know, but it. To me, it drives me a little bit crazy. I just want them to tell it like it is, you know, just like pandemic. You know, tell them that Fort Detrick created the Wuhan. You know, tell the truth. Tell the whole truth. I'm nothing but the truth. All this fiddle-faddling, you know, placating, softening of the blow, not telling exactly what's going on stuff is enough to make me want to rip out the tiny little bit of hair that I got. And I, I, it's so hot down here in Florida, and I'm like sleeping at night in air conditioning with a nice fan and everything. And, man, I'm just like sweating, and I said, the heck with it. So... So uh, yesterday I, I grabbed out my wall. I got a, a full professional kit, a wall uh, tri- you know, cutter, a cl- trimmer for doing hair. And I just grabbed a number one and a number six. And I, I have an official United States Marine Corps haircut. Hoorah. And boy, let me tell you something. It feels cool. Thank you, Jesus. Now, of course, it'll scare the little kids in the neighborhood. But since I never leave the house, it doesn't really matter. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Next one up. This is uh, the CEO of Raytheon. His name is Greg Hayes. And he's got a comment about why. And this is something that I've been talking about for many years, all the way back to 2016, when uh, Trump was instituting all kinds of um, tariffs on China. I was saying uh, he better be damn careful about what he's doing because we cut off China's no, you know, if we mess with China too much, this country's down. It's turn the lights off. Everybody's laying the street and wait for yourself to die. Wait for a Chinese tank to drive over your head because that's it's over. It's game over. And that's exactly what this man, Greg Hayes, the CEO of Raytheon, is saying. And I'm going to go ahead and play this for you. I think what is important for the American people to understand is the relationship with China, we have to find a way to get along. There is a codependency, whether it's rare earth metals, whether it's pharmaceutical precursors. Again, $500 billion of trade comes from China to the U.S. every single year. So while we talk about pulling supply chain out of China, resourcing out of China, I would tell you it's very impractical. We've been de-risking for a couple of years, making sure that we have second sources for critical componentry, but unlike Russia, where we pulled out two weeks after the invasion last year, we shut down our factories, we pulled our people out, and we completely uh, cut off any uh, contact with our Russian customers, you can't do that with China. 
too big, too important, and too necessary to the U.S. economy. Well, you heard it from the man, and let me tell you, if he's speaking on behalf of Raytheon, you better listen. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right, so, um, and as an update, we know about, you know, the interesting thing is this, has, this little report has a subtitle, The Enemy Within Men, and I'm thinking to myself, do you know how big the enemy is? That's the problem. Most people don't. They can't believe it. The problem is they can't even imagine it. If they were trying to be devil's advocates and trying to think their way through this, you know, using any kind of logic, they wouldn't. If they came to the conclusion of the reality that we are living right now on this earth, they wouldn't be able to accept it. They'd flip out. Their brain would shut down. But anyway, uh, according to this particular statistic or tidbit of information, whatever you want to call it, at this stage, 96 food plants in the United States of Babylon the Great have been damaged or destroyed, you know, it says under the Biden regime, which is a misnomer. We know that under the power of the Antichrist and the filth that intends to destroy humanity as part of the Great Tribulation. Welcome to the Bible. Um, But anyway, it says they're not predicting food shortages. They are planning them, and they are making sure they are going to happen. So that was part of that report. Next one up, Chinese organ harvesting. Oh, okay, that was one that I just mentioned before, so I I tried to copy it all right. Oh, a werewolf, a werewolf. Now, people call them different things. I've heard them call, you know, I've heard, you know, Elena call them wolf people or something. Uh, I still call them werewolves. Um, I will tell you that Rebecca M. Brown, medical doctor, MD, uh, in her book, He Came to Set the Captives Free. Uh, Elena had gone, Elaine had gone to many, 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 many uh, very big high-powered witch coven meetings as a mother goddess. Um, and, you know, uh, had, she mentioned that we're, she called them we're people, and they would always be sitting at the table. There would be weird people at the table, so they would look normal, but everybody knew that they could shift into a weird wolf, uh, just like you see in the movies. Well, I got a hold. It says <laughs> this individual, I don't know what country they're from. I don't recognize the the, uh, the letters, but it says, what special forces clean out dumbs and tunnels found this not human entity? But anyway, it has a really detailed video of essentially a weird wolf. See, the thing is evidently, you know, like in the movies a lot of times, when somebody shoots them or kills them or whatever the case, they turn back into the human-looking form. I don't believe that that is the case at all. I believe that when these things are shot and killed, when they are in the form of a weird wolf, they stay in the form of a weird wolf. And that's exactly what's in this video. I wish I could share it with you visually, uh, but again, if you really wanted to see it, um, you could write me at jbaptist777 at gmail.com. Just hang in there for me. I, things are going to get st- start getting pretty busy at work, and uh, there may be some delays, as one might expect. All right, praise God. Next. Next one up. Pentagon unreachable on, uni- on UFOs sends shocking signal to journalists and says Pen- Pentagon is unreachable on UFOs and sends a shocking signal to journalist. Ross Coolhart says that there is a significant pushback going on right now from the Depen- Defense Department and sections of the intelligence community. So basically, what would you expect? You think they're just going to take everybody on a tour of Area 51 and show them live demons and, I'm sorry, live um, 
you know, otherworldly beings inside of cages or, you know, and these humongous intergalactic spacecraft. They're just going to give, let's just do like Disney. Let's do like SeaWorld and we'll, you know, welcome one, welcome all. <laughs> it ain't never going to happen. All right, next one up. Canterbury, England, rejects 15-minute cities. So this guy, David Curtin, comes out and he says, Good news, everybody. Canterbury, UK, has abandoned the 15-minute city scheme. And basically, they, uh, the Canterbury Council had changed their local plan to scrap the 15-minute scheme after 24,000 people responded to the consultation report at the dailymail.co.uk. So basically, they're saying, nothing doing. And you know what? I can pretty much promise you that everybody else is going to jump on that bandwagon real quick. All right, next one up. Storm devastates Washington, D.C. By the way, of course, you know, see, this is the thing that kind of frustrates. It, it, it's very frustrating to me. My Bible says, maybe not yours, but my Bibles, many of them, 22 of them, um, they say that God is the one who, uh, you know, controls the weather, the lightning bolts, things like that. So every time there's a bad storm or a bad earthquake, everybody always says, oh, look, it's harp, it's harp, it's harp, it's harp, it's harp, it's harp, it's harp. I am not saying that they're not using, you know, these neutrino stations and stuff like the like the whistleblower uh, from Raytheon uh, said about it, the, the uh, facility in Antarctica. I'm not saying they're not using the old harp facility, although that's some pretty ancient technology up in uh, Alaska. They probably improved greatly upon that, which would be the one that's down in Antarctica right now. But the point I'm trying to make is if everything is harp, then I guess God doesn't exist. Because my Bible says, my Bibles say that our Heavenly Father controls these things. So when I see storm devastates Washington as Biden admin plans for Israel to concede land, which, you know, it, you know, everybody's, everybody's going to be like, harp, 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 harp. It's never our Heavenly Father. You know, have you ever noticed that? It's never our Heavenly Father. No judgments come from God anymore. They always come from some harp facility with neutrino power sources and a hidden atomic reactor in Antarctica somewhere. God has nothing to do with anything on the earth. Balderdash. All right, and so I get irritated with people that are like, harp, 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 harp. I'm like, get a vocabulary for crying out loud. Anyway, next up. Extreme rainfall in Telangana results in at least 23 fatalities in India. The floods, by the way, are getting worse. I mean, let me just say, um, a lot of people say, well, they always have those monsoon season floods in India. So, what you know, what's the big deal? No, well... Every I've been monitoring these things. I'm seeing the videos. I'm seeing the pictures. I've been doing it for 12 years. I'm telling you, they're not the same. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of them are just way bigger and way more horrible. Uh, and that kind of stuff is happening all over the world. Uh, as a matter of fact, the Be Beijing got hit so heavy with rain. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was a record that was over 140 years old that was broken. They get they got hit so hard in Beijing, which I believe is one of God's judgments upon the Chinese, um, you know you know what they ended up doing? They uh, – and I'll read the headline 
of what they ended up doing from Axios. It says, China floodwater diversions to populated areas unleash a wave of online anger. So basically, they didn't really want Beijing to get taken out because it's the capital. And heaven forbid that, that Xi Jinping might have to use a little bit of a rowboat to get around. So what they did was they diverted the water and they threw it all at the Hebei province with over one million people in it. And now they're completely underwater. So they basically said, eh, you know what, Beijing's more important to you. We don't really care about you, one million people. Here you can just have all the water. And so now they're being wiped out. All right, next one up. Algeria News reports uh, that record floods ravaged Slovenia. That'd be in Europe. uh, The prime minister calls it the worst disaster in their history. And I don't think they're exaggerating. We know that when uh, another solar system is intermingled with our solar system, that there are stresses, uh, electromagnetic interference and oh just it just makes a mess of things and the planets are no longer doing a perfectly you know um uh circular um orbit uh it it turns into an elliptical orbit and it really caught well it causes catastrophic climate change which is what we're going through just little by little by little by little while everybody's having a con you know a con well there's no climate change i'm like you know what i'm thinking Where's the where is the shrimp fork? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Anyway, next up, power grid under extreme stress. Rolling blackouts are proposed. The largest power grid in the United States is on alert for the second day for rolling. Uh, power grid shutdowns. Okay, plan shutdowns. Well, to my surprise, I imagined it must be California because it always does seem that it's going to be California. But evidently, the the power grid known as P3M, it pretty much takes up, um, it's centered mostly uh, around Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, West Virginia, Virginia, and it looks like Tennessee. No, Kentucky, I think, and um, and a little bit of Georgia or South Carolina. But anyway, and then it goes up, and there's like some secondary uh, affected states like Illinois and um, uh, let's see, we got Michigan here. So it's a big deal. It's called the P3M grid, and so they are actually talking about doing rolling blackouts in the Northeast, which, by the way, to my that's my understanding, has never happened before. Next one up. Saudi Arabia hits 136 degrees Fahrenheit. They're not talking about a feel feels like temperature either. This is legitimate. It's what's on the meter. Okay, it's not like, oh, man, this feels like 115 degrees of humidity. Oh, my gosh. I know it says it's only 91, but it's like, no, this is legitimate. 136 degrees Fahrenheit. That is not livable by a human, by the way. Or if they figure out a way to live in it, I it, it definitely sunbathing, that's for sure. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So anyway, I just wanted to thank you all for joining us tonight and hanging in for the last little closing segment of the uh, apocalyptic news. Um, thank you, and God bless you. I hope you enjoyed Gary's segment. It was powerful as always. The time now is Sunday, August the 6th, 2023. A lot of people are saying, I'm telling you, people, uh, folks, um, 
Every time I do my doom scrolling to find the latest and the greatest of the apocalyptic news, like, you know, the sighting of Ashley Babbitt on video now, which is huge, huge. It's it's as big as 9-11. When I'm doing that doom scrolling and I'm looking for this information to be on the very, very cutting edge of what's happening, long before any of the media sources will pick it up and lie about it. I'm hoping that encourages you and helps you to understand that – remember that Jesus basically – he implies all over different places of the New Testament that if we're not watching real carefully, watch ye therefore, he said. Watch. Well, what are we supposed to be watching? Are we all supposed to be walking around with binoculars staring up into the clouds and looking at the chemtrails? You think that's what he meant? No. What he meant is what we're doing on this radio show. And that, even though it's painful, disgusting, abominable, and all that other stuff, and and you see things sometimes you don't want to see, this is to cement into your heart the fact that we're going real soon. Now, I know I don't like the word soon, and I made that very abundantly clear. I don't. I like defined periodicities. And soon cannot be any more ambiguous a word. Now, all that being said, though, in the grand scheme of from our origins as part of the Edemic bloodline on this earth, through all the things that our ancestors and such have gone through, to where we are today, as we know beyond any shadow of a doubt, that we are deep in the season where the buds turn green on the fig tree. And to be praying always to be found worthy to escape all these things that are about to come upon the earth and stand before Jesus at the wedding supper. This is powerful stuff. The things that we're talking about right now, it's really powerful. Does it, does it say we're going to be out of here by 2023? Does it say that we're going to be out of here by 2024? What we do know is we know that something's going to happen to Trump. And when it does, civil war will break out in this country, and it will be very bad. And the last thing any of us want to be doing is being involved with it. Because those who are friends with the earth are at enmity with God. We are citizens of heaven. We are to keep our minds stayed on things above and not on things of this world. Okay, Colossians 3, verse 2. It's a very challenging thing. You know, it's, it's hard to walk as a sojourner. Just remember who you are. Once you get rid of the flesh which is who you are in the flesh. And you become part of the Godhead, which is ultimately all of our destinies. To become that being of light, that light being, the spirit, and to be in part of glory, a royal priesthood, kings ruling and reigning with Jesus over all of eternity. All of us having no ability whatsoever to imagine the awesomeness of what lies ahead. 
and the insignificance of what we're going through or what we might go through, with the exception of our intensified prayer for the lost, for one another, and our loving, giving, and loving kindness to all of those around us to show them who Jesus is, to show them that we're not worried about all these things that are going to happen. So when they're staring at you with panic in their eyes across the table at Applebee's, and you get a chance to let them know, hey, the cool thing is that I'm not going to be here for that stuff. They're going to wonder why. They're going to wonder why you have peace in your eyes. They're going to wonder why you're smiling and happy knowing all the things that you know. At the right time, at the right place, God will put somebody in front of you, and you're standing on holy ground. Maintain your composure, your peace. Don't get all freaky-deaky on them. Just let them know. You ain't going to be here for it. And you're packing your bags because it's time to go. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, Lord willing, we'll see you all Wednesday night. And uh, thank you all for joining us tonight. God bless you. Um, and I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that the holy fire of God, a thorny hedge of protection, and a whirlwind of the Holy Spirit blows it white hot. It completely encircles your dwelling place, your loved ones, your cars, wherever you go, that you get a platoon of warrior angels assigned to you to ferret out any indirect attempts to attack you and stand upon these words Call down the holy fire. You have the authority. Burn these demons into the pit and lock that pit up. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And then you'll discover a lot of things. Just remember, patience is key. Patience is key. When you pray for something, pray for it every day. Ask for a lot of help and praise God until you you just keep on praising him because it's going to happen. It might take a little while but it's going to happen, okay? There's always exceptions, but as a general rule, if we stick to it and we praise God, it happens. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you all.
I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.